Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Editor Nick Hausman back in the saddle, and I hope you are thirsty for pro wrestling punditry and exclusive interviews here this week on the Winkly, because that's what we've got for you. On this show today, you are going to hear from Conan. You are going to hear from former WWE superstar Hornswoggle, a.k.a. Swoggle. You're going to hear from WWE Hall of Famer Booker T. We also got NWA World's Champion Nick Aldis and former WWE superstar Jack Swagger, all here on the show today. Who's not going to be here? Our good friend Jesse Collings. He uh, has been out jet-setting on vacation, so no audio edition of the Views from the Turnbuckle, but Jesse's going to join us back next week. We're going to bring that segment back. And this Friday, the Views from the Turnbuckle editorial returns on the Wrestling Inc. website, and Jesse's going to be taking a look at everyone's favorite pro wrestling authority character, Baron Corbin! Woo! Ah, oh, man. Uh, but yes, lots of interviews this week. And of course, we're going to chat the news. And uh, who better to chat the news with me this week than a, a new hire here at Wrestling Inc., somebody I've enjoyed for a long time, Michael Weissman. He was also just at WrestleCade this past weekend. So, uh, hey, let's get to it. <laughs> Michael Weissman. Mike, thank you very much for joining me to talk the news of the week here on the Winkley. Yeah, buddy. You, uh... Awesome. You had a busy weekend. You were at WrestleCade this past weekend, were you not? Dude, I mean, it was like the turkey hangover happened, but I didn't have a chance to take it because Friday night, WrestleCade kicked off with a showcase of champions. Tell, before, we got a lot of news to get to here. We got, got this Ronda Rousey exclusive, but I got you. Tell me. Tell me about it. What was WrestleCade like? Okay, so it's cool. It's uh, It's been happening for about five, six years now, and um, it's a really cool event. It's, it's basically a giant indie show. Uh, you know, it was kind of done in the vein of Starcade when Tracy Myers, local promoter, started the event. He wanted to do what Starcade used to be, that wrestling weekend where you would go hang out with family. After Turkey Day, you'd go watch wrestling. And so it's kind of evolved over the years to be a more of a super show, super weekend kind of thing. So it's a pretty cool event. They have a couple of indie shows going on. They have a thing on Saturday where it's a convention. and You can see all the, the legends who are in town, and you can kind of hang out with the, the stars, both indie and old and new, ex-WWE, Impact guys, Lucha Underground guys. And then Saturday night kind of the middle of the weekend is the super card where they do all of the, all the big names who are out there on the indie circuit normally show up for this bad boy. So um, just a really cool weekend. And it, it's, it's a very fan focused fan involved weekend. I mean, you can talk to anybody, but it's really kind of cool because it's, it's both 
the popular guys you knew who are out there on the indie circuit and also the legends show up and everybody speaks so highly of this event that it really makes it a special thing. And I'd encourage anybody who is kind of in this region, if you're within driving distance, come to this show one year because I think it'll really impress you. There were 6,500 people there over the course of the entire weekend. And there's literally something for everybody. Sold. I'm sold. Yeah. Got to go. Quick? Got to go. Was 30, that was like a two minute, two minute spiel, right? Got it. Less than that. It was a solid minute. That was a good, that was a good minute plug. Um, but not only were you just there attending, you went and did some work for the site. You got some great interviews. We're going to be rolling those interviews out on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube channel uh, in the coming weeks because you got mm-hmm. like 10 interviews yeah, there. Um, but this week we released two of them. We're going to play the audio here on the show a little bit later. Uh, those this week are the current NWA heavyweight champion, Nick Aldis. And we're also going to hear from Jack Swagger and or now Jack Hager. Uh, Hager. If you uh, if, so you'll hear him on this show, but you're also going to be able to find transcribed quotes in the video on the Wrestling Inc. website as well. So so stay tuned for that. Um, but let's talk some news here, Mike. That's why that's why you're here. I brought you on to talk news with me. I don't cool. Know if- Can I crack my beer open first? Do we do this? Is this that kind of show where I crack a beer open and, and we, we do this thing? Are you are you do you actually have a beer? I do. I, I'm used to pot between the ropes, man. It's wild and wacky over there. I've done that for so many years that I always crack a beer open. So I don't have a beer. What? Uh, that's here. the whole thing. That's the whole reason we podcast is to drink beers, right? That's here, here. You vamp for 20 seconds. I'm gonna uh-huh. go get a beer. Crack yeah, okay. Your, so, crack your beer. I'll be uh, right back. I'm gonna plug those. Uh, plug those podcasts, man. Oh wow! Oh, what? Man. Did you find one? The, the, I have the hottest, most amazing girlfriend ever, ever, because I got up to go to the door and mm-hmm. I opened it and she's obviously listening to what we're talking about right now because <laughs> she had she had a beer in her hand. And now, wow, there we go. I've oh, oh, wait, oh, wait, let me my turn. What? OK, there we go. What are you drinking? What, is- what are you drinking here as we're going to talk wrestling? What are you drinking? Shiner Bach. I'm doing their holiday cheer. I really dig it. It is uh it's it's sugar and spice and everything nice, plus alcohol. So Yeah, yeah. and it, for all you Shiner fans out there, I'm a Texan. Shiner's Bohemian Black Lager, also very mm. good. Um if you gotcha. haven't, had, haven't had a chance to try that. I'm drinking a Revolution Brewery anti hero. It's the uh the staple of the Revolution Brewery here in Chicago. Revolution Brewery, I've had some of their stuff. Fantastic. Very, very good. All right, enough of the beer talk. I've gotten ah. far too distracted by WrestleCade and the beer. I'm going against my my co my code. I typically don't drink while I podcast, but really, we... this show moves at a clip. You guys go fast, man. Me and Fritzy, we shoot the crap for half an hour before we talk wrestling. You no guys time, no time, <laughs> no time, Mike. We got Conan uh, on today. We got Booker yeah. T on today. No time. Gotcha. Actually, I don't know if Booker's on this week or next week, but no time. There's so much great wrestling to talk about this week, right? I mean, we've got a, three hours of Raw that were just all fantastic, right? Uh, yes. That's not what the run <laughs> sheet. got to get to it. Mike, that's not what the run sheet is, says. The run sheet doesn't say we start talking about Raw. It was so good, though. I hate you. Raw was not good. Why didn't you like Raw? We'll start there. Why didn't you like Raw, Mike? Oh, because I could literally fast forward through the entire thing and not miss a damn. It, it's just... It's typical WWE booking these days where it's nonsensical, it's dull, it's things don't make any sense. Why is this person doing that? It completely jives against their character. So it's all the same kind of things. It was just a very bad episode from top. There was no hooks. There was nothing great about it. All right, done. We're done talking about Raw. There we go. All right. Um, (laughs) (coughs) Wrestling Inc. We have an exclusive here. We're going to start the show off with our exclusive uh, we have learned that uh, Fox News apparently wants Ronda Rousey to be part of the SmackDown roster. This follows up on the report that uh, Fox uh, 
is looking to have a more sports-oriented program on Friday nights when uh, WWE makes the move. Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, Daniel Cormier. These are the now these are the names that are they're spinning around SmackDown Live's move to Fox, and I'm okay with that. It's already a good show. Throw these guys into the mix. It, it could be that much better. This is news to me. I, I did not know <clears throat> this must have just literally broken before we came on there. Obviously, I've heard about Fox wanting a more sports-oriented project. So Ronda going to Fox to SmackDown makes a lot of sense, I think, especially with the way they want to kind of put this in between Thursday football, Saturday football, Sunday football, starting next fall. Um, I, I think it is going to push WWE a little bit, though, because, again, great idea, right? And I think the move towards a more sports-oriented project or product is exactly what WWE needs for one of their brands to make it feel different. But the way they have used Ronda while she has been that MMA background, they have still put her on Raw and put her very much in that mold of what they kind of see uh, mainstream wrestling being, which is sports entertainment. So we've had those promos from Ronda, but at the end of the day, they always come back to kind of that. I'm not going to say they don't use her in a jokey fashion, but they don't treat it. They don't tell their stories like a lot of sports documentaries do. And right. so, um, and, and, and Vince McMahon just loves Raw, right? Is he is he actually going to let... Uh, somebody he has as high hopes on as Ronda Rousey go to SmackDown, which he very clearly thinks is an inferior show to Raw. Man, I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know because like Raw to me, you got me talking Raw again. All right, Raw yep. to Raw to me, right, is not about the the great wrestlers anymore. It's about it's about characters that represent something, right? Like I don't know that Baron Corbin is the most compelling wrestler, but he represents the authority figure and he plays that role, so he gets to be involved in that story. That's what I feel like Raw is more of. You know, over on SmackDown, you've got a, you've got things that have stakes. You know, this past last night on Tuesday, because we're recording this later on Wednesday, you know, Shinsuke coming up from behind Rusev, blindside. I can't wait to see those two get back at it. This was something that was rooted in an altercation, right? Randy mm -hmm. Orton, Rey Mysterio, rooted in some kind of personal animus. Over on Raw, things are rooted in, uh, do you want to be on the right side of history? What does right. that even mean? Right? <laughs> like, right. And, and, and you, you have characters over there who kind of, I think they flip flop very easily. You know, it, it's not like, I mean, you take somebody like Baron Corbin and, and they found a niche for him, but they brought him up without a plan. And, and to your point, it's more about let's give these guys who have names, uh, you know, Braun Strowman's the ideal example of the raw superstar, right? You bring him up and we'll put him as a face or we'll put him as a heel this week and we'll kind of go back and forth because we just need to fill time with what's going on here. It doesn't really matter the ongoing storylines to your point. SmackDown does have that personal mm -hmm. kind of vendetta, that old school. I hate to say old school, but really that kind of that old school, you know, one guy hates the other one. There's a personal grudge involved and we're going to settle this thing in the ring. Like athletes, like Spartans. Um, Rhonda could do that. She's, she's obviously doing that with Charlotte and Becky, but I think again, Vince McMahon likes these guys on Raw who he sees as these big stars who kind of are above the traditional wrestling uh, feud mindset, you know? I guess it's, I mean, it doesn't seem to be clicking with the fans, whatever the mentality is on Monday nights. But you take Ronda and you put her in the mix with Charlotte, Becky, sure. Asuka. That's, she already is. She already is right now, right? Well, but she's on the island of Raw, right? The sure. other three names I said are already on SmackDown. You get those four in a division on a weekly basis. Now we're cooking. That's That's four compelling badass female characters that you could, you know, we talked about the SmackDown six when it was men, maybe the next SmackDown six is going to be women. I don't think so. 
Agreed. SmackDown 6, great callback. I, I think all of that time was when SmackDown back in the day in the early 2000s, that was just a magical time to be watching SmackDown with, you know, you had Paul Heyman booking everything. It was so great. But I, I worry they're so focused on kind of this brand parody between stars that if they move Ronda over, you're going to lose either Charlotte or Becky. And I think that they want to have an anchor on both shows and to them losing, losing Ronda SmackDown's going to lose somebody big. And I, I honestly think if they're going to do this, they're going to, you know, put some, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them put Nia Jax over there as well. Just knowing the way they book things, you know, it, look again. Yeah. You throw Nia in. I, 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 I really would be upset if they just tried to do it for parody's sake to try to, yep. you know, even out the, uh, the rosters here just to move one of those guys over to raw because yeah, you talk those four, you put Nia in that mix. Now we got five compelling characters. Right, mm. uh, I'll, I'll bring mm. up. I'll bring up. I'll bring up uh, this bit here that I've got a little deep on the run sheet from Wrestling Observer. Apparently, WWE has changed plans in regards to Natalia. Uh, right about now, it seems like she was supposed to have turned on Ronda, who she's been buddy buddy with on TV for a heel turn, but they've passed on that because now people they don't think that Natalia uh, allegedly would be very sympathetic because of the passing of her father, Jim Neidhart. I don't really see it that way. I think that you could still do it. Um, I think that maybe if there's any truth to this report, it's because they're doing the Total Divas promos right now and really trying to play right. into that sympathy, which is, by the way, uh, as we're recording this on Wednesday night, sadly, I won't be able to review that for you here until next week on the show. Um, but, uh, you know, Natalia, heel Natalia, or I don't even want to say heel Natalia, because our Charlotte and Becky heels are baby faces. They're kind of gray area characters, and that's what's yeah. so compelling about them. Well, and, and and I think the bigger deal here, especially with Ronda moving over, possibly moving over to SmackDown to Fox and the, the Shades of Grey characters like Charlotte, like Becky, who the fans really decide how they want to feel about these characters are doing with Ronda right now. They boot her at Survivor Series, right? Like this is the fans are telling you what they want. I think the bigger deal is WWE's got to figure out a, a different way to tell the story of these characters. And that's where I think you really could get some great stuff from Ronda, right? You put somebody like Charlotte, like Becky out there who have been doing this for so many years, they know how to milk that crowd the right way. Somebody like Rhonda, and she's done great at times, and she's done really, really, really uh, awkward at times. But you put her on a more sports-driven product, and you, you kind of treat it like that docu-style character building, like what we saw with whenever the Ultimate Fighter kind of went through its revamp about seven or eight years ago for the first time, um, like we've seen with the original run of NXT. Bring in that docu-style uh, mode of, talking about these characters and building them up and telling their stories to the audience, Rhonda would, she would vibe with that perfectly. And that's what I want to see because I think that gives some talent, not just Rhonda, but a lot of them, a, a different way to express themselves. Maybe they're not the best promo on the world, right? And, and we see this in Raw and SmackDown all the time. We're doing the same kinds of promos we did in the 80s and 90s, and that doesn't work for everybody. So I think from that perspective, Rhonda could be a great, very great fit for this new style of what SmackDown could be. Yeah, I agree. And man, I just get excited when I think Natalia, Nia, Ronda, Charlotte, yeah. Becky, yeah. all these great women in a division. I know that also based off the, the Observer report uh, this past week, Dave kind of poo-pooed the idea that they're going to go back to a single roster, but it, there could not be a better time for them to make that choice right now because they've had some big losses and uh, to be able to kind of spread these guys around a little bit more that do have value uh, now is the time to do it. Uh, I have another raw note here 
uh, which I guess I have to bring up because... I thought we were done with Raw. Come on now. No, I want to get it all out, and then we can move on to other stuff. Uh, the According to WrestleVotes, which is a Twitter handle, which has become an inside source, which is ridiculous to me. <laughs> right. Welcome to 2018. In a nutshell, journalism. Right? No, no idea who this is, but they seem to be correct. WrestleVotes. Um, apparently saying WWE considering making uh, Baron Corbin's former TLC match against Braun Strowman now a team match, which would explain a lot of things, why randomly Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, and Baron Corbin are all best friends. It would be the three of them versus, I'm guessing, uh, Finn Balor. Um, who else would be uh, on Balor's team here to decide uh, the rule of, of law and, on Monday Night Raw? On Monday Night Raw? Um, who are the other big baby faces? Is Balor... I mean, you, you you got Seth, but he's busy with other things, right? right. Um, yeah. Dean, he's gonna face Dean, so he yeah, he's yeah. So you can't do you can't do Seth. Um, where's Elias these days? Where does he kind of fall? You're right, Elias. Team? He was in the tag bout to start the show, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so that would be that'd be a pretty good one. Okay, Elias um, and Finn. Okay. I feel like you gotta have somebody else big on there that anchored that team. Yeah, maybe this is where we get Lars Sullivan. No, it's too it's too quick, right? I'll just stick him on me. Who, am I Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Uh, <laughs> uh. But we're any- overthinking it. They're just gonna pull somebody out of the back at the last minute, right? Maybe. Well, apparently this uh this is a reference back to TLC 2012 when I believe it was Ryback Kane and Daniel Bryan took on the Shield. It was supposed to originally be uh, Ryback CM Punk, but Punk got injured, and so that match became a three on three tag TLC match. <laughs> Um, I'm going to guess that in this situation, there's going to be some kind of contract hanging over the ring for whoever gets to be in control of Monday Night Raw, be it Baron Corbin or maybe Alexa Bliss. Is, is she going to be completely in charge of Raw now? She's randomly in charge of the entire women's division or something like that, right? Right. I mean, that, that's a great way to do it, right? If you are a GM, just hand off half your duties to somebody else to make your job easier. I like it. It's a smart strategy. Right? There is <laughs> no. There is just something about a frazzled authority figure who is making rash decisions while the commentators tell me to be on the right side of history that just <laughs> bugs me. I can't The quite... right side of I love this. Be on the right side of history, right? Because the raw GM is Listen, we had a raw GM who was a computer one time, right? And it turns out it was Hornswoggle, which doesn't make a damn bit of sense. And and so the right side of history because the Raw GM matters that much? Really, guys? And also, on my final Politico note of Monday Night Raw, Baron Corbin is taken to calling himself the general manager elect. You can't say that unless you've been voted on and elected to that position. That's why you have, like, Hillary Clinton was the Democratic nominee right. elect, right? <laughs> right? Because she had won enough votes to, to declare that position. Yes. Who elected this man general manager? Where was his electoral votes? Who and who gets to vote in this, right? Is this like um is is the, the raw roster gets to elect this? Because that could be interesting. I, I could buy that. Hmm. Um we also have here um well let's let's flip back here to the UFC guys. Uh, Wrestling Observer reporting the plan for uh Brock Lesnar, current universal champion. It, it, for WrestleMania, I guess the match is gonna be him versus IC champion Seth Rollins, whether or not IC titles in the mix or not. You know, I, I read this. It didn't jump off the page to me at first, but you're trying to find the new guy that you could kind of put everything around. Seth has the tenure. He's still more than ready to go and put on great matches. A big definitive win over Brock Lesnar, taking the title, rolling into 2019. That doesn't sound like the worst call to me. Seth Rollins is the guy. He has been since 
uh, WrestleMania 31 when he cashed in to the loudest pop of the night, right? And somebody asked me this weekend, who is the best wrestler today? Like, if you had to just live, they didn't know criteria, best wrestler, right? Top of mind comes AJ Styles, right? Throw him out there, Kenny Omega, right? But Seth Rollins is three or four on that list as far as guys who I think really should be in that conversation. So, it's the right call when you think about it from a big picture perspective. He can carry the brand. He can do the interviews. He is very much he, he's he's matured so much in the last four or five years. He can really be the face of that company. I argue he already should have been. I get Roman Reigns was your guy, but this makes a lot of sense from a book from a company wide standpoint. However, from a storytelling standpoint, from a booking standpoint. I don't know that there's much grit in this feud that makes me really jazzed. Seth Rollins is a great wrestler. We know the Brock Lesnar-style match. There's nothing here that I'm like, man, that is going to be an awesome feud because we've seen it before. We've kind of been there, done that. But, you know, there are worse things that could happen. So I don't want to crap on this or, or, or kind of be down about it. Seth Rollins is your guy. Give him that moment. I think it will be much better received if he topples the beast than what we've seen in previous years with the whole Roman Reign debacle. Um, also on the road to WrestleMania, uh, another report from the observer, uh, Shane McMahon is apparently undergoing a character change. It's going to go through the first quarter of 2019, something mm. that's tied into his world cup win. And it is likely to set up his WrestleMania 35 match. It does seem like the Miz is destined for some kind of a match. I don't know if it's at the rumble or WrestleMania, but those are the two that are touching gloves right now on screen. Don't you love this, how we talk about WWE storytelling, and they're devoting the uh, kind of the bigger picture, most storytelling time to Shane McMahon, right? Here we are in 2018, 2019, and Shane McMahon is the one who's getting the long-term character development. You know, it's, it is what it is. Uh, Shane being in matches, I'm very much over as a fan of wrestling. I'm very much over as a defender of wrestling, but you don't want to do watch, it. You don't want to watch dad wrestle? It was, it was, you know, we got him back and he wrestled Undertaker and it was like, oh, he'll take a big bump. And then we saw him against AJ and it's like, okay, I can put up with this. Him and but AJ were good. Him and AJ were good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was better than it should have been and it was good. But I'm, I'm just, I'm over seeing him go toe to toe with the best guys in the business because I really do think at this point he's starting to undermine their credibility. Six words. Shane McMahon wins the Royal Rumble. <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't do that. Come on, Nick. Don't do that to me. I'm just saying he won the World Cup, right? Like, you know, you talk about guys with name value that can go in a, in a thin roster. Shane McMahon, he's high up the ladder. But it there would... are other guys out there who can go as well. And I don't want to die on this hill because at the end of the day, it's I don't think it's worth it. I think The Miz feels a lot better here than a guy like AJ Styles did. And again, it was a fine match, but... You put him with the Miz. The Miz will have some great. They'll have some great moments in this feud. It'll it'll, it'll be kind of like when Kevin Owens and Vince McMahon were going toe to toe, and that was a Shane McMahon feud too. But you will have some great mic work, uh, especially by the Miz. You'll have some fun moments. It'll really be sold. So I'm not all dour on this. It, it, it'll. But Shane McMahon is a heel, though. Is that do we? Is he going to be credible? That's my real question here. Uh, he's a McMahon. That's yeah, my he's answer. He's the good one. That's my answer to you. Is he credible? <laughs> he's, the good one. he's a McMahon. Of course he's credible. Uh, hmm. Trust those people with my life, the McMahon. There you go. <laughs> uh, wow. uh, uh, last bit of Mania talk here. Um, WWE has announced they're going to have two pay per views between the Rumble and Mania Chamber on February 17th from Houston. Fastlane, March 10th, uh, Cleveland. And then less than a month later, WrestleMania on April 7th from New Jersey. Uh, man, they. I really, you know, 
I remember at the end of last year, they announced the pay-per-view schedule for this year, and it was like 10 pay-per-views or something like that. And everyone's like, oh, thank God. They're pulling back on the pay-per-views. No, all they did was make room for network specials. Right. <laughs> right? Star K, we got uh, the crown jewel, a crown jewel to greatest Royal Rumble you've ever seen in your life, right? Like, let's just keep adding to the list here. Yeah, so there's a what I'm getting at here is this, uh, man, uh, one pay-per-view, right? I, I, Survivor Series died a death this year interest-wise because it had a two-week build. And, you know, granted, there were other external factors, extenuating circumstances that affected that. Uh, the self-inflicted wound of uh, morally decaying your audience by doing the Crown Jewel show, I think, also right. didn't help. Um, but, man, yeah, again, they, they're making the choice here to give themselves less build to major pay-per-views, and I don't get it. I, you know, they, they, they are very much focused on, I think they see the name recognition of a, a show, like Elimination Chamber, or they see the guys they can put on the card. They don't talk about, you know, builds and storylines don't mean as much to the company as... Who can we put on this to build this as a certain kind of card? And I'm, I'm with you, man. I think that back in the day when you had longer breaks in between shows, it made those feuds, those matches mean more. But we're in a day of content, 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 and WWE is looking at this from a profit standpoint. And obviously they think they can make money off of doing it this way and not lose anything by it. Uh, creatively, I think it's debunk. But, you know, for them, yeah, keep doing it. You know, they're going to make money and go with it. I like I, I do like Elimination Chamber here. I think yeah. it's always been the right call for a February pay-per-view because okay. you do get that final, you know, put all these men in here. Six men. Winner goes on to face the other champion at WrestleMania. I think that's cool. Fastlane is the stupidest pay-per-view in the world to me. It was billed originally as some kind of NASCAR knockoff. So why would you have that in your hottest season of the year? Why would you put that name and that brand out there uh, with, with your company? So, uh, yeah. And again— that short build, it, it doesn't give any of this time to breathe. And it, what do you do? Is it just, does somebody win a title at Elimination Chamber? I love the champions kind of defending at Russell, uh, Royal Rumble and then not defending again until Mania. I think it makes it special. But R Royal, Royal Rumble, you pick your one champion, number one contender. Elimination yep. Chamber declares your second champion, number one contender. Exactly. Cut fast lane. Give yourself six weeks. And, and dive in. I it's I don't know. Maybe they would probably laugh at us and be like, oh, do you hate money? I don't know. I do like being entertained. So uh, We'll watch it. I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to watch this. So. I have to or Raj will fire me. I have to watch it all. Um, oh, no. You didn't tell me that when I decided to yeah. work with you guys. So. Well, I'm up the pay scale from you, so well, I have to watch true. everything. Um, I love Yeah. You know, I complain, but I also used to work in a deli slicing meat, and I enjoy this more than that, even still. <laughs> even still. Uh, was it boar's head meat? That's the real question. We didn't sell boar's head. I worked at, oh. a, I worked at a Whole Foods. Man, right. that, is, that is shady. Mm. Uh, shady? No boar's head. No. All organic. Um, Wrestling Observer also reporting uh, Vince McMahon, very high on Lars Sullivan. There was... Some old social media posts that were brought up from Le Lars's teenage years this past week where he commented on some comments that Steph made on a uh, Howard Stern program. I think he maybe said something racially offensive. I didn't really dig too deep into it. Um, but he's going to – but apparently Vince is very high on Lars. He's going to receive a big push on the main roster. Apparently there's no definitive creative direction yet. So what would you do with Lars? 
You, you book him as a monster heel. I mean, that's the guy this size, what he projects, what he exudes, his persona. He's a monster heel. I would honestly put him on SmackDown, right? We don't need – Raw is the land of the Giants. You put Lars on SmackDown, let him decimate some guys, let him go through – let him beat up AJ Styles, right? A surprise attack. Let him take down Daniel Bryan. You will put his stock through the roof if you do that. And then you can transfer him to Raw later if you feel like he has that – that level of stardom about him. It reminds me a lot of when they first debuted Ryback and they just had Ryback squash jobber after jobber after jobber. And it worked. I mean, say what you will about Ryback later on, but it got him over with the casual fans because they got used to seeing him, this big, muscular, strong guy, dominate lesser opponents. And Lars, you could do very much the same thing. I think Lars has some untapped potential on the mic. And you can swing this guy back over to Raw later, but put him on SmackDown right now. He'll get lost on Raw. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know um, what you do with Lars. Uh, I kind of want to be surprised. You know, I was talking on the Wink podcast earlier today uh, with Justin and Raj, and uh, Justin brought up Brock Lesnar's debut, and they didn't do vignettes for Brock, right? He just kind of stormed the ring with Paul Heyman one night and caught everybody off guard. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he was taught, he, he was not, they didn't even call him by name. They just kept saying he's the next big thing, right? He's the next big thing. And Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman, same way. Just showed up out of nowhere, you know, with the Wyatt family. Um, I, I think it's cool. They're, they're playing up a little bit, but I do wish there was, you know, a bit of a more surprise factor in, in him coming up. He is such an imposing character. Uh, it would be cool to just see him show up and toss, you know, a couple of the cruiserweights around or the Lucha house party, destroy, yeah. kill Lucha house party. Wait, that's very, I, I think the bigger negative. thing here is, is yeah, he's got to be booked to, to your point as, I mean, the surprise is great, but he's got to be a monster. He's got to be a monster. And I think again, SmackDown is the way to go with this guy because Raw, he will just become, you know, opening segment fodder at the end of the day. I said Lucha House Party. I started thinking about Raw again, and I got really angry, Mike. <laughs> that was on you. That was all you this time. First hour of the show, Lucha House Party. Lucha House Party. Jesus. I, I love that Khalees, I think Kalisa did an interview where he was like, no, the pinatas were our idea. The clackers <laughs> were our idea. We want to uh, be portrayed like this. Yes. Oh, God. It's so uncomfortable. Like, it is, I just... It's so tone deaf and, and it's late nineties era WCW stuff. It is. Maybe, it you is. Know? It's it, 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 shades of Mexico thrown in. Those are two things oh. that I don't want to combine late nineties WCW and the Mexicals. Man, that's a, that's a disaster. Uh, Wrestle talk, another reputable outlet that has come into my run sheets. Are uh, they, are they with Russell votes? Is this like a partnership there? Mm, no. I think they're different. Wrestle, we can do Wrestle Speak. We can do Wrestle <laughs> Chat. I mean, there's a whole branding thing we can do here. It's fantastic. Wrestle Chat. Uh, Wrestle Talk are UK based, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's why they probably got this scoop here. The WWE NXT UK talent all getting raises. I haven't heard a definitive number on what that raise is, but they, uh, in exchange, are no longer going to be allowed to work independence other than Progress, ICW, and WXW in Germany, which WWE already has partnerships with um this this story here um i it, it gets me thinking what kind of success is wwe really having with their international expansion right i don't know how it's going for them this seems like a a further desperation on their part to try to rein in a burgeoning uk scene they're throwing money at a problem which sometimes works but i don't know if it will in this situation 
Well, I think they want to own all of these markets, right? And and if you go back to the conference call from a few weeks ago, they claim, right, and they will do this on a conference call with investors, but they, they claim that they are finding a lot of success, which is why the NXT UK, and they're talking about doing what? other NXTs around the world, what? because it is drawing in audiences that they do not currently have access is it, to. Is it, though? I mean, they said that about India, and they're gone. That's a ghost town. You know, well, they tried to go over to Japan and New Japan's got that place so unlocked they had to give up there too. Like, that is true. And 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 rightfully so, this could be, you know, them again thumping their chest, which is why what they did would make sense. You know, we, we don't want our talent. We're gonna pay them more, we're gonna make it exclusive, we're gonna throw our money at it, to your point, but that way they can't support these other promotions. Because at the end of the day, those other promotions are benefiting from the WWE brush, right? There are American fans who are being introduced to uh evolve and other things across, you know overseas that they would not see because because WWE is introducing these wrestlers who are associated with those brands. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I guess I don't agree with it, right? From a, from a fan perspective, I hate the idea of WWE monopolizing what pro wrestling is, but they, they're, they have the money and if the talent agrees to it, so be it. This is kind of the conversation I had with Aldis, right? Is it's tough to do anything whenever there are talent out there, and I don't want to spoil the the, the conversation, but when right. there are talent out there who are willing to kind of cross the, the untold picket line and say, yeah, I'll work with that company because they're going to pay me well, it's hard for the talent to kind of come together and stand up against this kind of monopolizing by WWE. You know, it's just to me, it's like McDonald's moving in next door to In-N-Out Burger, but everyone's like, no, we, we're kind of cool with In-N-Out Burger, right? And, and no matter how much money you have, no matter how much march uh, marketing materials you've got, if an audience wants what it wants, they're not going to buy your product. And I I do think that WWE is running into that wall in a couple different places. Now the big test here is going to be when they do the NXT UK Takeover event, which sold out very quickly. What is the value of the Takeover name? Right, NXT UK still under development, got a weird stigma with UK fans a little bit, but the Takeover name. Bulletproof. Every takeover is great. Is the path to success and break it into these markets just more regularly doing takeover events in these in these different markets? I think that the path of success is just doing more events, period, right? I mean, they did the one show in Japan a few years ago, and they've gone back to do some stuff. But to your point, New Japan has it so on lockdown. But in the UK, I mean, you talk about the success they've had with overseas events in the last calendar year. And it's pretty incredible just because it shows there is a demand from these fans to see a WWE product. Now, the TakeOver brand is a super card. It is a super card of the true wrestling NXT brand. And I think that could help them break through, especially as they feature these talent on there. But I think at the end of the day, NXT, WWE, they're a machine and they might not find the same level of success in the UK that we see them have against the Indies here. But I think once they pair that up with their main roster brand, I think it is going to impact these smaller outlets quite a bit. Um, well, um, let's, uh, we were talking about Starcade a little earlier when you were talking about Wrestlecade. Uh, Starcade is back. Uh, no coincidence, the same weekend as Wrestlecade. They, they, mm. brought, they brought back Starcade last year just to, like, try to counter Wrestlecade, yeah. didn't they? Uh, yeah, and I actually went to it. This is, um, I, I have a story going up on uh, Wrestling Inc. soon about kind of my experience at Wrestlecade. And I admit here, I went to Starcade last year. It was shiny, it was new, it was exciting, right? It was the old brand come back to life. I got to see Arn Anderson do a spine buster. It was amazing. But it very much felt like counter programming to kind of draw out some of that fan base. It was a big success last year here at Greensboro Coliseum. It was possibly the largest attended house show that I've been to in a number of years. I mean, I went to a Raleigh house show a few months ago. It was a terrible attendance, but 
Greensboro Starcade did great. I don't know why they moved it to Ohio unless they felt like Wrestlecade was just too much competition. But <laughs> what are you talking about? The long history of Starcade in Ohio. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> back in the day when you know, yeah, Mid South Wrestling ran up up in the north. <laughs> The old Sorry. WCW stomping grounds. No, it's weird, too, because they did it on Saturday night still, but then they aired it on Sunday on the network. So anybody who remotely gave a crap about it would have already looked up the results. Uh, well, at Starcade this past weekend, Bray Wyatt returned. He answered Baron Corbin's open challenge. He defeated him. Corbin restarted the match under no DQ and then lost again to Bray Wyatt. Um, I was surprised that Bray was not the one to answer. Seth Rollins open challenge on Monday Night Raw. If he's ready to go, how, you know, got to find a way to get him back into the mix. I would think so, too. Uh, there you go. I, I don't have an answer. Uh, and lastly here, uh, Bray Wyatt is <laughs> also, back. Also, why do you bring him back as a as a good guy? Like, Bray Wyatt's a heel, right? What, who cares? What are you going to do? It's Raw, right? Who cares? <laughs> have him lose to Undertaker. Whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. But okay, House, well, uh, House of Horrors match. Can we do that again? Yeah, please. I was at that show. Backlash, San Jose. I was there. Um, actually, before we get to this last topic here and throw the interviews, Bray Wyatt, what do you do with Bray here? I, I Wyatt reunion, wait till Harper and Rowan get cleared to come back, put these three back together again? Yeah, well, I mean, you could do the Wyatt family. You've got to reinstill some of that mystery, some of that kind of what's going on here, get the fans hooked on the character more. He's become so weak, though. I, I think I liked what he did with Matt Hardy for a minute, but over time it kind of really weakened that mystery. And mm. it, it reminds me a little bit of, like, Biker Taker back in the day, right? Like, there was just no – Undertaker ran his course at a certain point, and it's what you do. You you, you reinvent him. I, I – I don't know that he needs a complete revamp. You either make him bad and dark again, or you find something else for Bray Wyatt to be a character as. Maybe he becomes more serious. Maybe he's not quite so out there. Wyatt family could work, but does that does that really seem exciting to anybody? I know people love their three man teams, but and I, I again, I you know, I want Bray Wyatt to have some mysticism. I like the the showmanship. I like the lightning bolts and uh, all of that. I, that's why I joke you know, have Undertaker beat him, but I was very much looking forward to a bit of a passing of the torch there between these two characters. That's what I want for Bray. And the fact that they neutered him a bit and didn't let him go there, it's haunted him ever since. All puns intended. Haunted. I get you. Uh, Last news topic here. Alex Riley, the Alex Riley of Alex Riley and Ms. Fame, called out John Cena on social media. Uh, He said, I see you, something like that. Uh, earlier this year, Riley was on Jim Ross's podcast and teased that he and Cena had some kind of heat that led to his decreased push and I think eventual release. He didn't want to comment because he said it's so bad. I don't want to bury him, but eventually, eventually I'll bury him. That's kind of what he said on the Jim Ross podcast. (laughs) Alex Riley calling out John Cena. What horrible thing did John Cena do to this man? I mean, rumors have it that John Cena just talked trash constantly about him. And, and there's also lots of rumors about uh, there was a rib that went wrong that Alex Riley didn't take too kindly to. At the end of the day, it's really unfortunate because Alex Riley was a great talent. I mean, it was. He, he still could be, right? But when he was with The Miz, when he had that moment where he turned on The Miz, he was red hot. He had cra- everything about him was just fantastic. His music, his look, his, you know, w- whatever. And they they dropped him so quickly back down to nothingness. And I know he got injured at some point and then he lost a whole bunch of matches. But 
I felt like Alex Riley was to a certain extent the whole package. And, and if it really was um, John Cena kind of turning on him, you know, these things people get grudges in real life. It's like when you get pissed off at somebody, Nick, right? I, I, we no, all have things that, that doesn't happen. You never get mad at anybody. I'm right? a very docile person. You and your girlfriend never fight about anything, huh? No, she had a beer ready for me on the other side of the door. She's perfect. I like to. I like to how whatever you said that you said my my uh, super hot girlfriend like like her looks had anything to do with her having you a beer ready. I thought that was a nice little touch in there. Well, everybody uh, should just know I have a smoke show girlfriend, so whatever. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so I I think that it's um you know it's probably one of those things where grudges and people get mad and human emotions into the equation, but it's it's really unfortunate that still that can dictate somebody's career path in a pro wrestling organization. Obviously, there's still bad blood. Um. So, all right. Well, uh, with that, Mike, uh, we're going to wrap up the news here and then we're going to throw in some interviews before I throw to these interviews, though, uh, I'll give you a chance here to plug, promote, put over whatever you'd like. What, what do you want to send people to find you, follow you, all those great things? I mean, the biggest thing is um, just keep up with me uh, on Twitter. I'm at the real Wiseman, um, and uh, that's that's the best you can do. Send me some funny uh, gifts if you get a chance. All right. And so it is time now to go to interview row uh, three from me two from Mike. Here's the order they're going to come in. Next, you're going to hear me talk to Conan. After that, you're going to hear Michael talk to Jack Swagger. After that, I talk to Swoggle. Then we're going to throw back to Mike talking to Nick Aldis. And then we're going to wrap up here today with my conversation with Booker T. Aw, shucky ducky quack quack. Let's get to it. I had no idea you were busy working for 500 wrestling promotions right now. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking... It's it's better than the alternative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I'm happy to see you doing well, man. Uh, it's uh, the other day. Um, I was just uh, hearing from Court Bauer how you are probably the most popular man in pro wrestling right now amongst the wrestlers with the amount of places you're working. Uh, well, you know, I just think that uh, even though in the past, if you know anything about my past, you know. It's been very contentious in a lot of places that I've worked at. I've either been fired or I left. And because um, as you know, bro, you know, covering the wrestling business, you know, a lot of indignities that wrestlers have to go through and broken promises and politics. And you got to eat a lot of shit in this fucking business, which you're well aware of, right? I am very well aware of Hello? that. Yes, I am very, very right. well aware of that. So it's almost like a game you got to play sometime. And I'm the type of motherfucker that... I'll play it to a certain point, and then after you bullshit me or insulted my intelligence or just straight up lied to me so many times that it's like there's, there's just no respect there anymore. I end up blowing up and leaving or getting fired or whatever. And just now, you know, I've just been a lot smarter about how I do things because, like I said before, I'd rather be employed, you know, than, you know, be right and be unemployed. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I'm just a lot, I'm just more of a pussycat now, you know, and it's very easy to work with me right now. So um, I think that obviously being 30 years in the business and everything I've seen and done, and, you know, I've just done it all, bro, actually, especially behind the scenes, because at a very early age, I was already booking AAA, which was, you know, a major company. Like at 25 years old, I was helping book it. So I always understood the behind the scenes you know, I didn't wait till I retired to learn about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, I, I, I hate to cut you off here. I uh, I actually already started recording just to see if the levels were fine. Your stuff that you're saying right, right. now is amazing. Can I use this, or would you prefer I formally yeah. start? Yeah, I can That's use this? Good. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. D- d- yeah, 30 years in the business, uh, the things you've learned. Why Impact? Why have you decided to do business with Impact? 
Well, as you know, I left there under very acrimonious terms uh, somewhere around 2006. It ended up, you know, uh, uh, going into protracted litigation. And, uh, and so um, I was persona non grata. And then basically um, when Jeff Jarrett came back two years ago, um, he wanted me to come in originally as Bobby Lashley's mouthpiece. And I was like, yo, Lashley knows how to talk. That's why when I see him now with Leo Rush, like, I really don't understand that because Lashley can cut a promo. And, and to me, he should be demolishing motherfuckers and they should be prepping him up for Brock Lesnar. You know what I'm saying? But Yeah, no, um, I totally so agree. I, I agree. Yeah. What, what's, what's, what's the mentality like in portraying this guy with Leo Rush as this, you know, Lex Luger type figure? where he's just flexing his muscles. Right. They've literally got him bent right. over on TV, smacking his butt cheeks right. into the camera. What What is the mentality like they're presenting that guy like that? Bro, how can anybody ever decipher WWE? You've been watching as long as I have, you know, and I know I've been watching it longer. It's like they do so much that doesn't make sense. For every great angle that you see, there's like 10 other ones that can blow your mind. They're either... And I understand that most of the viewers are kids, so they're going to have kids there. But one thing is having things for kids, and another thing is having stuff that's just totally awful. You know, like I watched yesterday's show because I have to talk about it on my podcast. But I've always said, if, if there's no other show that I watch on TV, that if it were as bad as wrestling, I'd still be watching it. You know what I'm saying? And so they just put out a lot of bad content. And I just think one of the reasons is because they've got to fill up so much time. They don't have the luxury of an MLW who's just got a one-hour show. They only have one show. I don't need to tell you how many shows these have from the networks, the sh- you know, everything that they've got going on. But so that's me, just no excuse for bad storylines. Get better writers or get more writers or, you know. I well, mean, well, I was talking to. Incredible to me. I was I hate to cut you off. I was talking to Court Bauer the other day. Uh, you 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 invoked MLW's name in this conversation here. He said that creative teams don't work. He doesn't think that having more writers or having a group of writers is the answer. He thinks that that actually kind of right. attributes to the problem. Do you disagree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that because I actually one time I was talking to Vince Russo and I said, "Hey, would you go back and work for Jeff Jarrett?" And he goes, "No," because I don't want to have to go through the filters I went through in the past because it ends up not being my idea. The original thing I wrote ends up being whatever, you know, Jeff or Dixie wanted. And, and, and that's happened to me, you know, in AAA a lot. The best stuff I ever wrote was when it was just me. For example, when I was in AAA, early AAA, and it was me and the, uh, the guy that founded AAA, me and Antonio Pena, when it was just us two, Bro, we wrote some great stuff. And, like, I'll go back to 2007 in AAA. I had another guy who was great. His name is Moody Jack Melendez. Me and him wrote some great, great stuff. But it had to go through so many filters that a lot of times when it came on TV, it wasn't even what we originally wrote. So, yeah, I think it's way better to have one or two guys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I, I bring this up because... You know, when, when Robert Rodriguez makes a movie, it isn't Robert Rodriguez and... 14 other motherfuckers or five other motherfuckers. Sometimes you'll see, you know, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino. Bro, that's two geniuses making a great, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, I just think it's way better when it's just you and another guy. 
Now, I, I bring this up because uh, I watched the Impact product. I really enjoyed the LAX-OGZ rivalry. You have right. gone to some very dark places in that rivalry. The stakes have been very, very high. Do you have a lot of input in that? Right. Is that is that what you're looking for in wrestling right now is, hey, you know, you want to raise the stakes? Let's murder a kid in a drive-by shooting. Let's go there, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that wasn't my idea, but we it is very uh, collaborative. I like, you know, I work very, very closely with Sanjay. Sun, this is kind of Sanjay's baby. Um, for a while, I was working with Jeremy Borash, but, you know, kind of Sanjay and me, um, it's mostly Sanjay, but Sanjay and me work a lot together in this. And now LAS recently has been having some um, input. But yeah, like uh, what all we try to do is try to speak organically, not try to speak like WWE does, that it sounds written, you know, like they're trying to memorize lines and um, and just try to do stuff that isn't hasn't been done on a wrestling show before and try to make it as realistic as possible. Everybody knows it's entertainment. I mean, at the end of the day, when you go watch Iron Man, you know he's really not flying. But if it's a good storyline and there's good acting, you'll immerse yourself into it. So we hope that whatever time we're on TV, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes, whatever we're doing, we can immerse you in that storyline. Yeah, and th- I bring up specifically that that drive-by with the child because, um, you know, right. what a what a crux, right? You know, OGZ, right. if I got this correctly, they order the hit, but they didn't know the kid was going to be there. And that's what spurns right. these two to want to go to war, which resulted in the, the concrete jungle match at Bound for Glory, which, I mean, you kind of had. Well, not even, not on. Yeah. Not only that, we were able to do it really what I thought. And, you know, who doesn't like mobster movies? We were able to do that really entertaining thing where we had that sit down with the three bosses and one was black and one was Italian, one was Hispanic, almost like if you actually sat down with the major crime bosses of New York, you know, me and Eddie. And so those little things right there, I think, really gave it an extra feel of realism. You know what I'm saying? No, it definitely created a feel of realism. It was almost like too real, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. and, and, And that's what I ask is, you know, is this where you think that wrestling needs to be going? I mean, the stakes right now in WWE, real low if non-existent. You know, what are guys fighting over? You know, over in, in Impact Land, MLW Land, you have some really emotional stuff going on. Is is this as far a direction as you think it needs to be pulled? I know you said that wasn't your idea to have that, that drive-by shooting angle. Yeah, no, it wasn't my idea, but um, at the same, the only thing I thought of, I just thought it was great because it's going to get people talking and it's different. And, you know, the only thing I thought we should have done is we should have had more relationship with the kid that got hit. So when he did get hit, people would be more emotionally invested. You know what I'm saying? Like he was just all of a sudden there, he was at the party and he got hit by the car, but it's something that could happen. You know, here are these three guys that are in a car, they're trying to do a drive by, they're mad. You know, they come speeding through and this kid got hit. It could happen, you know. Yeah. So yeah. just try to be, try to kind of, you know, try not to insult the fans' intelligence and try to be, you know, I think it's not to talk bad about WWE, but fuck, I got to watch that show every week, Nick, and it's fucking brutal. And it's just like they put a lot of that's for kids. And I understand, you know, that's probably their audience now. But, um, you know, we like to do more adult uh, oriented themes and more realistic themes, you know, um, and not so 
uh, cartoonish as sometimes they'll go. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, we have comedy on the show, and there's characters that do that, whether it's Grado or whoever's doing it. Um, you know, Eli Drake, he's big on comedy. Um, but, you know, we like to bring it to the streets, you know. And so just we try to make what we're doing, you know, whether it's the verbiage or whether it's the storyline, something that people go, wow, that's cool. I like that and I want to watch it. We're just trying to get people to watch the show and, and, and to be immersed, you know, what we do. Do you feel like Impact has gone in a, uh, a hyper-violent direction? I think back to Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan with the ball bat. And then I think of the Concrete Jungle match. Uh, you were ri- you were ringside for the Concrete Jungle match, were you not? Uh, no, I interfered at the end. And I, heard, I was taken out at the beginning of the match, and then I oh. came out at the end of the match with the loaded sock, uh, and I hit... Um, and I hit all three guys from the OGs. That's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I should have rewatched this. That's right. You got taken. You were supposed to be in the match, and it became a handicap match. Right. But that match, right. that match was one of the scariest matches I've ever got to to I've ever watched. And I brought up you possibly being ringside because when those guys were moving around that ring, those boards were shifting around, and I was just thinking about some poor soul ringside getting accidentally knocked upside the head by some dude who who pivoted too hard on his on his feet. What did you think of that match? Would you do that match again? That match seemed very, very scary. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was watching it on the when I was watching it on the monitor, I kept thinking, I hope nobody gets hurt in the ring and falls through a hole or something like that. I wasn't thinking too much about the fans. I didn't think the boards would fly into the into the crowd. But I just thought to myself, wow, this looks dangerous because it is right now, and that adds an extra element. So if nobody gets hurt, this is really gonna come off good. And originally, I had told Sanjay Dutt I was going to do my old rolling clothesline, which I know would have gotten a humongous pop. But once I got out there and, and I had seen how the how the boards were going and how hard it actually was, I said, F- that." But um, <laughs> uh, I just thought it, I just thought it sent a, a, an element, you know, of danger that you don't usually see in most matches. Uh, you know, an actual visual danger that you could see. So I thought it was it worked in our favor. You know. A lot of things could have gone wrong. Yeah, it is. It's so hard to come up with original, you know, whatever you want to call them, gimmick right. matches anymore. That one stood out. Right, because that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what I always say, Nick. It's like horror movies. How many different ways can you scare people anymore? Everything's kind of been seen. How many different ways, you know, how many, you know, so, so much has already been seen and done that it's very hard to come up with new stuff. Not that it can't be done, but it's hard. So you're always kind of doing a variation of the theme, you know? So you were right. It's very hard to come up with something like original like they did for that. Yeah. I was impressed by it. And you were supposed to be in that bout. Are you getting the itch for active competition again? Well, I'd already been, uh, I had already told everybody that I was going to do a comeback next year, which will probably, you know, I'll probably be in good, good shape by the summer of next year. Um, I you still haven't gotten into weight training right now. I'm just working on my conditioning. So I was going to do a comeback tour next year anyways, you know, and it isn't so much, there is an itch, but there's also more like, I just want to be able to say goodbye to this as a, as a, as a, uh, as a, as a wrestler, as an active wrestler, I just want to be able to say goodbye, you know, on my terms because 10 years ago, I had to get hip surgery, a hip replacement. And when they went in to do my hip replacement, 
my my kidneys were damaged, so I had to get a kidney replacement, a kidney, kidney transplant, and a hip replacement. And bro, I was in really really bad health, and I did, I haven't wrestled like in ten years. So all of a sudden, I just kind of retired because I was hurt or disabled. And everybody's like, well, what happened? So I just want to kind of go out on my own, you know, be able to say goodbye to everybody one last time. Where do you see those goodbyes taking place? Is it in, is it in Impact? Is it AAA? Is it MLW? Where do you see the, the retirement tour taking you? Right. All of the above and wherever else people want to want to see me, wherever people think that people will come out to see me. Obviously, in Mexico, that's a no-brainer. Obviously, Hispanic cities in the United States, Puerto Rico, um, you know, Impact MLW, where I have a name. So all those places. Um, you, uh, I, I listened to a Ray Mysterio interview recently where he mentioned that you are his son Dominic's godfather. Am I wrong about this? Right. Yeah, uh, that's correct. Um, you've been working uh, with Dominic, from what I gathered from Ray's interview. Uh, what do you think about how right. Dominic is progressing as a wrestler, Ray's son? He's incredible because he's not like your um, he's not like your typical um, wrestler or even son's wrestler. He didn't grow up wanting to be a wrestler. Like he was very disinterested, and all of a sudden, like a year ago or a year and a half ago, you know, he finally told his dad, "You know what? I think I want to try this." And you know, Oscar was super, super, super happy because his son hadn't picked what he wanted to be in life, and what better for him to follow in his footsteps you know so that's one of the reasons Ray went back to WWE because he wants to open up the doors for Dominic but he doesn't want like a lot of second generation wrestlers who just rest on their laurels and think they're going to get by with their dad's name he knows that his sons have big shoes to fill and there's no way Dominic will ever be able to replicate what Ray did plus way bigger than Ray so you know he's taller than me and so um, I'm 5'11 and uh, he probably hasn't, nah, he probably has stopped growing, but he's, um, you know, he's a tall kid and he has a different body structure. So his wrestling will be different, but, you know, there's going to be comparisons. And Ray wants to make sure that his son is properly trained. So he's got him going with Lance Storm and he's going to send him to Japan. And I think he's going to send him down to, um, to Booker T and he's going to get him. Phoenix is going to train him a little bit. And I've been training him. So he's going to get some real good training. So when he goes in there, he looks good, and he can take care of himself. Do you see? Uh, but he's a natural. He's a natural. It's incredible to me. I just think he's probably watched so much wrestling that through osmosis, he kind of knows what he's doing. Because the first day that we were training with him, there's a three, there's a thing called three quarter rolls, which is almost like a Japanese that like a roll you would do in judo or Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is very. Uh, fundamental to Mexican wrestling. That's why Mexican wrestling is so quick. Because when you do that three-fourth row, you get right up and you keep going. It's different than a front row. And so he picked that up immediately. That's not easy to pick up. And like, I saw a video of him taking backdrops. Like, you know, the guy standing straight up and giving him a backdrop. And bro, he actually, in the air, he kind of curved his body and did a graceful backdrop. So I was like, wow, this guy, you know, he's, he's, he's a natural. Um, yeah. The, uh, it's crazy right now. You, you talk about how quickly he took to, to wrestling. Uh, when you said that, I thought of another le- uh, legacy wrestler and Brian Pillman Jr., where he was one of those guys where I just saw him for the first time in the ring. It was like his third match ever. And I was like, this guy moves like a wrestler. 
it's crazy how these kids right. just pick it up by watching their parents sometimes. Do you think that Dominic? Right. Do you think Dominic goes the route of wearing a, a hood, a mask, like his dad, or no? Yes, yeah, I do, I do, and he'll have his name in some form or fashion. He wants him to, you know, to continue in his legacy, and so does his son, and that's his rightful, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, you could almost say birthright, heirloom, whatever, whatever. So, but he's going to, one thing, he's not going to go into that ring until he's ready, you know, and Ray's going to make sure that he looks good. I'm going to make sure he looks good, you know, and uh, he's a good kid. He doesn't have a big head. He's very respectful. You know, he's very passionate and I'm going to love it that in one of my uh, farewell tours that I'll be able to wrestle hopefully with Ray and his son, you know what I'm saying? Um, so that'll be really cool for me. And that's one of the cool things about this, uh, um, this farewell tour because not only will I be hope, hopefully wrestling with some of my peers, hopefully I'll wrestle with Chris Jericho, who's obviously one of my peers, and I'll wrestle with a lot of the new cats that I've never wrestled with. Like, I've never wrestled with Pentagon and Phoenix. I've never wrestled with my LAX boys. You know, I've, there's a lot of people I've never wrestled with, so it'll be cool. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Man, you and Pentagon. I had a thought, and then I thought about you wrestling Pentagon, and, and what a cool bout. I, I, are, you, are you surprised that the luchador tradition has carried on so successfully as it has recently, especially under the guise of uh, people like Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix? Well, here's, I'm not surprised, and I am surprised. I'm not surprised because, obviously, you know that the whole Lucha, Lucha invasion that came to ECW and WCW, I was behind that. So I always thought American wrestling was very boring compared to Mexican wrestling, but nobody in America knew what Mexican wrestling was. And I was just like, you know, when we came in, that was in the era of, you know, like that. Remember, what was his name? The guy that played the dentist, Yankum. Isaac Yankum. Dr. Isaac Yankum, yeah. portrayed by Glenn Jacobs. Yes. Right. Right. So, right, Kane. So all these like kind of goofy characters and I was like, bro, I mean, even when I like recently, I saw a couple of my matches on the WWE network when I was Max Moon, like I was literally going to, to house shows where people had never, ever heard of me or seen me. But by the end of the match, they were clapping because they'd never seen Lucha Libre, you know? And I was just thinking to myself, man, if I can get Lucha Libre into the United States, I think people like it like I will. The mask, the pageantry, the colorfulness, the unique moves. And they did like it. But the wrestling industry was too busy making fun of it and not putting it over on TV. And you know what I'm saying? And so now to see that everybody likes Lucha and everybody wants a Lucha mask and you know, you saw an all in how much lucha representation there was, and you see how much there is in MLW and how much there is an impact. Of course, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, uh, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. I've already gone over the time I was supposed to have with you. Uh, it always flies by. Yep. I got, I gotta get you back, uh, uh, Conan. But you bring up all in. Uh, I'll kind of, as a blanket question, ask to wrap this up. You know, there's a lot of speculation about what 2019 holds for the pro wrestling universe impact MLW WWE, this potential all elite wrestling thing with Cody and the bucks. You seem to be involved with everything. Where do, where do you see impact falling in the landscape of 2019? And what do you think about these rumors uh, about a, a potential new uh, organization popping up that, that Cody and the bucks could be behind? 
Well, I think that Impact um, uh, has a great product right now, not because I work there, because, you know, if you've not heard any of my past interviews, I ain't afraid to bury shit, even if I'm still in the company, if it, if it isn't any good. Impact's good right it, now. Uh, Impact is good right now. Yeah, right. You will attest to the fact that there's great talent, there's great storylines that cannot be argued. I think we need a couple people on the show that move the needle, but bigger than that, way bigger than that, we need to be on a better network. And I think once Impact gets on a better network, the sky's the limit. It really is because, you know, you're giving people some really good TV. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, and as far as all in, you know, like they say in, you know, in English where there's smoke, there's fire. And they say in Spanish where there's water, there's probably a river nearby. You know, the bottom line is there's too many things that are happening that point to something happening because I don't think they would have gone out there and trademarked, what was the trademark? All out. And all, all elite in. wrestling. All elite wrestling. Right. Right. Isn't there another one Tuesday night? Tuesday night show or some like that Tuesday night dynamite. And it's not, and I've done a lot of, I probably could bore you here for five minutes about the research I've done into these right. trademarks. Um, but right. Matt, Matt Jackson's, uh, killing the business Inc. They own the trademark for all in, uh, being the elite and, uh, killing the business. And then this new entity has been launched by, um, I believe the Khan family, the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, family owners. Right. They're, they're the ones that took the trademarks for all elite wrestling, Tuesday Night Dynamite, the show you alluded to, and a couple other trademarks, uh, Double or Nothing, All all Elite Wrestling, Double or Nothing, that would point to an involvement with Cody and the Bucks. Right. I doubt a billionaire has better things to do to be registering that or his son, whoever is behind it, than registering names if they don't have some sort of a plan. So he's got the money. He's got the stars to do it with, because let's face it, we've already seen what they did with All In. So imagine these guys, Omega, and everybody involved, you know who they are, with TV, I mean, I think something's going to happen. Uh, all right. Well, we will we will leave it at that. Conan, I got to get you back. We'll talk here in a couple months. Uh, I'm very excited. Impact Wrestling presents Home Homecoming on January 6th uh, from Nashville, Tennessee. That'll be a big show. Any expectations for going back to the asylum, Conan? Yeah, it's always great to be back where we started. That was always a very crazy fan base. Plus, there's a lot of tradition in that arena, as you know. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I had, I had gone there. It's incredible to me talking about Lucha. I'm going to tell you something that may blow your mind. I remember going to Nashville, like in 1997 or something like that. And I went to a local to the Mexican part of town and they had Lucha Libre and it was 100% Mexicans. And then I went back there with uh, Aero Lucha, like last year, I think it was, or a year and a half ago. And it was like 60% Mexican and 40% Anglo. I love the way it's crossed over into the Anglo community and how everybody now really likes Lucha Libre. That's a special place for me, the, the asylum. So it's going to be really good to go back to you know, where we started. And, uh, and then of course there's a dream match LAX versus the Lucha brothers. That's going to be off the hook. Agreed. Thank you very much for the time, Conan, go over to iTunes, subscribe to keep it at 100 with Conan and anything else you want to plug promoter put over here before we wrap it up. 
yeah, you can check me out on Twitter, Facebook at K-O-N-N-A-N-5150. You can check me on my podcast with Disco Inferno, Shane Helms, uh, Keeping It 100 on Westwood One. That drops every Thursday. And, you know, of course, I'm with Impact on Pop every Thursday. And, um, uh, you know, AAA on Twitch uh, and Facebook Watch. Um, uh, uh, December 2nd, we have a big show on Twitch with AAA from Aguascaliente. And then tomorrow we're, la- we're live on Facebook Watch with Lucha Capital. So, you know, just doing a lot of things, keeping busy and doing what I love, which is uh, wrestling and Lucha Libre, man. I want to thank you for the time, Nick. Michael Wiseman here, Wrestling Inc., with the man, Jack Swagger, now known as Jack Hager, a man who's done it all, who's been money in the bank, two-time world champion, here at WrestleCade fighting for one of the most prestigious titles in the game, the NWA Heavyweight Championship. What does it feel like to be here at WrestleCade this weekend? Uh, it's uh, my second time here at WrestleCade. It's always a great feeling, uh, very exciting. you got the big show, the big fight feel, walking around the atmosphere. The fans have been great. Fan Fest has been amazing. Uh, the air conditioning is on, so it's not too stinky in here. Um, but yeah, it's uh, fastly becoming one of the biggest wrestling weekends of the year, I feel like. And well, this convention is huge. I mean, I've been here a few times, and it just gets bigger every year. So yeah. to have all of these fans here in one, one arena for this weekend is really special. And you're main eventing. How does it feel to be the face of this card this weekend? Uh, I mean, it's, it's an honor to go up there for the NWA's world's title, definitely an honor. Um, being there with all the guys on this card in the main event, it's an honor, you know. So it keeps me very humble, keeps me very hungry. I just want to put on a great show. And, uh, you know, with the names here, like Steve Kern is here, you know, with the names here, it's just it's great to be a part of it. I've got to ask you, you uh, since being in WWE, you've done a ton um, in wrestling on the indies, but you've also entered into an MMA career. What does it feel like to get back into that kind of real fight, athletic side of yourself? You know, you are an All-American. You are a football player. You wrestled. And, and you know, this is obviously an intense athletic endeavor, but getting back in MMA, what is, why is that so important to you? Uh, you know what? I've been a competitor all my life. I think you said that. And... Uh, for me, I got I got away from that uh, with WWE. It's a different style of competition, and now to get back to the true form of the best guy plays and the best guy wins, it's a uh, it's very exciting. Um, I think it's an interesting way to do it. I kind of went to the sports entertainment side of it, got a name for myself, got a lot of exposure. Professional wrestling along the way has become more popular than ever. So that really has benefited me. And uh, to cross over into MMA, which is almost at the equal of height and uh, uh, mountain of uh, popularity, uh, it's, uh, it's very cool to have that opportunity. Sure. Sure. I have a name, now I have an opportunity to go make it elsewhere, so I've been training very hard. I think uh, very soon, I think next week, we're going to be making an announcement of when the first fight's going to be, who the fight is going to be, where it's going to be at. Can you, can you give me a hint? When are we going to see you in the octagon? Well, here's the hint. We already know the finish. <laughs> <laughs> Two more quick things for you real quick. It, it does feel like since you've left WWE and kind of gone on, you were a two-time world champion. Let's not lose sight of that. But since you've left WWE to go on to do your own thing, you're following a, a similar career path to people uh, that have come before you, like Cody Rhodes, guys like Matt Hardy, who kind of went out and then came back into the company in a bigger fashion, um, like Drew McIntyre, Drew Galloway right now. Is that kind of your game, your mindset is, let me go out here and prove that I am at the top of the card again, and, and nobody should 
forget that and we should expect to see you back in WWE someday? Or what is your goal? I mean, as a competitor, I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. Of course, I have something to prove. Um, and then you look at guys like Drew. I think Drew was a guy that I really saw out there doing it and being successful and really earning his spot. You know, really becoming the top wrestler in the world outside of a major promotion. Um, that really showed me um, what the independence can do and how powerful it can be. Because um, I, you know, I, I was I was fortunate right from college to it, so I didn't have that much of a knowledge or uh, of the independence. And so to see what those guys did, yeah, that was definitely it. But it's all about opportunity and timing. For me, it was it was the right time for me to walk away, right time for me to go be with my family more and to learn different styles of wrestling and go on a little bit of a journey. So it's like even though we left, you know, it, it, was, it was a good separation, so I don't have any animosity as far as that. But I'm just going to out here and compete. I just, sure. want, I just want the opportunity to compete, whether it's uh, professional wrestling, whether it's MMA. I'm a competitor, and I, I work to compete. Last question. Um, you're not going to want to answer this, but if you had two big money offers on the table, one from UFC, one from WWE, where would you go this very second? Ah, gosh, I would go to UFEW. <laughs> Thank you so much. So nice to meet you. Appreciate your time today. Good luck tonight. Thanks. I'm rooting for you, man. Um, Who's running the show? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, we the, the people. people. You may know him as former WWE superstar Hornswoggle, but he now wrestles actively all over the world <laughs> as independent wrestler Swoggle. Dylan Postle. Dylan, welcome back. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me here today on The Winkley. Nick, we're doing this again. It's always a pleasure, so thank you. You know, I, uh, you've had, a, you've had a, a long-term effect on my life, Dylan, because um, I, in, our first, in our first interview, you told me you prefer the term midget wrestling to little person wrestling. Do you still stand by that? Of course I do. All right. My girlfriend hates it. Drives her nuts. <laughs> Drives her absolutely <laughs> Drives her absolutely insane that I would use the word midget ever when I when I say it around the house. It's it's visceral. Uh, the the funny thing is is I was just telling a friend of mine uh, when I'm in conversation with people and you know I'm I'm just kind of uh, I'm meeting them for the first time or you know that kind of thing or really talking to them I don't really know them and they want to use a, you know the term for you know they want to refer to I'll say my people. <laughs> and they don't, they don't really know what to say. And they go, well, you know, you know, a guy like you. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, a white guy, a, a, a dad. What do you? I, I, I always kind of mess with them a little bit, and I just say, the word midget's fine, because it is. It is. It's just a word, man. It's, it's, it's no better than calling me a, a male or a man or a, a, a dad. Or you know anything? It's just it, to me, it's just a word. Yeah, it's just a, one of the one of the many descriptors. Anyway, I just had to say that because it does drive my girlfriend nuts. <laughs> She's like, "You can't say that," and I'm like, "Well, of course. What do you want me to say? You want to insult the man? Like, not say it?" That's you know? a that's a very that's a very common thing, man. I, I very very common how people you know outside. If I'm good, if I'm friends with you, or you say the term, then someone doesn't know that I'm cool with it. They're real, like, almost appalled and shocked how awesome I am with it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what a great way to start this conversation. Uh, so you are you're a little crazy. Uh, everyone remembers you from your infamous WLC match. I've talked to you about that. 
legendary bout. Um, you're taking your hardcore skills into WrestleMania weekend. You're going to wrestle Nick Gage for Black Label Pro's Adventure in Wrestling during WrestleMania weekend. Nick Gage infamously so, near, just almost nearly killed David Arquette. So, Nick, uh, Nick, Nick Houston, this, uh, this is going to shock you, and it's probably going to shock everyone. I asked for this match. Why? I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think it's... So, it would be just under three years that, that weekend that I was released. Um, and in that three years up until that point, I've, I, I like to say I've done quite a few fun things. Um, but I, I'm feeling at this point, I'm almost like kind of, I, I, I don't want to say I've, I've hit a plateau, but at times I feel like I have. And that's a, that's a very real statement, man. It's, it's, I feel like uh, at times I get stagnant, and I don't want to. So I said, you know what? Let's do something crazy. I I want to I want to wrestle Nick Gage. I've been a deathmatch fan since I can remember. I love that. I just love everything about it, and it's entertaining to me. Um, and I've become. I'll say it. I think I've become a a, a friend of Nick Gage's. You know, he or or at least a very good acquaintance. That's for sure through AIW um, in Cleveland, working there. So I I thought about it, and I, I I walked up to Nick one day in the locker room, and I said, you know what? I'm a, I said, Nick, I want to wrestle you. And he goes, anytime, brother, anytime. And I'm sorry if that's peeling back the curtain a little too much, and Nick, I'm sure might not like that. But uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be something, man. So this will be a death match then between you and Nick. No, no, I didn't. There's no, there's no, no one's saying that, man. Well, I there don't know. No advertisement. Well. There are no advertisements saying it's a death match. There's no advertisement saying it's light tubes. All it says is Swaggle versus Nick Gage. Right. Well, you said you're I, a big fan of death matches, which is why I would. I am. Right. I didn't know if that's why I, you were, I'm wanted a, this. I'm a, you know. I'm a huge fan of the show Survivor. I haven't been on it yet, sir. Okay. I mean, come on. I, 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 no, no. Now, I, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Do you have interest in a death I match? Mean, if this got turned into a death match, would you be okay with that? Or do you not play like that? I, I want to see how this, how I'm. Give me a month and let me let me see how I'm feeling. Look, David. But what what was your take on that? Was that do you fault him for taking the bout and put himself in danger? Or do you think the GCW uh, was was in the wrong for putting him in a situation like this where he could get hurt? No, man. I I think it was. Uh, I really do think that. Um, that Arquette wanted to do that. He wanted to prove that listen, Arquette's a huge indie fan. He he's he and he's showing this more and more. Each each one of these matches on the independence he has, he's showing it that he's he's such a supporter of independent wrestling and he truly loves the business. I, I feel like like he really, really loves this business. And I I just think that he uh it, it just I don't know if it was 
I don't know if it was in over his head, you know, mid-match or what, but who knows? I've never been put into that position, so I uh, I don't know. I can't I can't judge him. Like I said, man, he he put himself out there, and he he did earn respect in my book for even putting himself out there. You I know the Milwaukee crowd or Milwaukee crew. You guys roll. You guys are a hardcore bunch, right? I've seen a lot of crazy shit happen. Sorry, my language. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in Milwaukee at Milwaukee shows. Have you ever done the light tube stuff? Have you ever rolled around in thumbtacks? I uh, I did a in for my company ACW Wisconsin last December. I did a uh, fans bringing the weapons. I've done a fans bringing the weapons in Cleveland for AIW. This is all in the last year. Um, I don't think I've done light tubes yet. I've done I did in the backyard. I did I did light tubes like an idiot. Um, but uh, man. I, you keep going back to this. This is just a normal match, man. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. I mean, look, Nick Gage nearly killed a man. He got national attention for it. That man happened to be yeah. David Arquette, and you want a match with this guy. You know, he's a, you, you say you guys are, are friendly, and I know Nick wouldn't appreciate you saying that, but Nick Gage is a dangerous man. This man has done hard time for robbing banks. This man is a dangerous, scary man. That's fine, man. I, I, I want a wrestling match. I never said I want a death match. Okay. But I want to wrestle Nick Gage. Right. I, I, same as I, I want to wrestle David Arquette. I want to wrestle Marco Stunt once again once he heals up. I, there's a lot of people I want to wrestle. There's no part in this that I say I want a death match with Nick Gage. You said you were a fan of death matches. That's all I thought. 100%. Like, I was like, oh, he's a fan of death matches. I didn't know if that means that you wanted to partake, because I'm a fan of Survivor. You bring up Survivor. I love Survivor. I'm going to watch it tonight. Um, I would, I would maybe do Survivor. You know, I, I kind of, I think I'm. Pretty, I would, I would, I would 100% do Survivor, and I really would like to do Survivor. But that's not saying I am doing Survivor. Oh man, how do you think you do on Survivor? I think I would do pretty well. Oh man, I want to watch that. We need to do it a. Would, it would. Mm. Wrestling Survivor, sixteen wrestlers. One like you know, maybe we find like a, a cheap island, the cheapest island. We put you guys all on there. Yeah, it's gonna like yeah, it would be it would be awful. There'd be so much politics. It would be wrestlers would be the greatest addicts. It's all about politicking. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted no, to break. But no, no, man. Like going, I, 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 I go to, gotta go back to it. I am a huge deathmatch fan. That uh, that that man. That doesn't mean. That this match is going to be a death match. You know what? I'm Who gonna, knows what it's going to be? I'm going to call Michael Blanton. I'm going to make it a death match. I'm going to call my Mikey. I'm going to cancel my plane ticket. No. <laughs> well, let's talk about Mikey real fast. I want to have Mikey on the show. He's a, he's yeah, a guy. Man. Michael Blanton has been running shows in Crown Point, Indiana. I used to do commentary for Black Label. Big fan of, of Mikey. Really, as, as far as the landscape changing in the past couple years with new promoters... He's a standout. I, I just wanted to take a moment to put over Michael Blanton. I don't know if you wanted to say anything about working with Mikey at all. Um, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> um, Mikey has, uh, he's become, uh, you know, a very good friend. Uh, no, he's become a good friend of mine. And he, he gave me the opportunity, um, which I was very scared of, in Marco Stunt. He said I was working Marco. There was another plan before that that I don't. Re- I'm not going to talk about because 
who knows if it all if it will happen and I don't want to talk about it yet. But uh there was a plan in place and it didn't happen and then he gave me Marco and I instantly was so scared. I uh because Marco's like I said, and if if you've seen the match, if you watched it on online, um Marco is is the guy right now and uh he truly is. Um and he is way, way more of an athlete than I am. And I I, I messaged Marco flat out. I said, Man, I'm nervous. I said, I don't want to hold you down. And and that's a true statement. And I said to Mikey, I said, I don't I said I'm really excited to work for Black Label, but I don't want to let you down with this match. I don't think I can hang Marco. Um he gave me that opportunity, an opportunity that I thought I was gonna drop and I don't think we did. And I will go on record and say that was the first one of the first, one of the only independent matches that I felt like, man, I knocked it out of the park because going into it, I was so nervous about it being terrible on my end. I knew Marco would kill it, but I was nervous about myself. And Mikey gave me that opportunity, and I appreciate that. Um, it, it's so cool to hear you talk about this match you got to have with Marco. Now you're going to need to do, have this match with Nick Gage. Uh, one of the things I wrote down here, and I don't really know how I want to frame this exactly, but like, Midget wrestling, women's wrestling, they they kind of were stigmatized in a way. They were attractions, right? They weren't the show. They were kind of brought in to highlight the show. That's that's all kind of changing now. Seeing the work that you're doing, going out, picking fights with Nick Gage, watching the women step up, how does the environment of pro wrestling feel for you right now as opposed to 10 years ago when a lot of these shackles hadn't come off yet? I didn't get in the I didn't get in this wrestling business to become a midget wrestler. I got in this wrestling business to become a professional wrestler. That's what I tell everyone. Uh, if I would have done, if I would have gotten into it to become a midget wrestler, I would have learned an ass fight and the ref spots in two weeks, and I would have been done training. That's not what I got into this business for. I got into this business to be a professional wrestler. Yeah, a- absolutely. And, and it. Yeah, and I'm trying. To, I'm trying. I'm just trying, man. I'm trying to get that. You know, I when I'm when I'm on these shows, will you see an ass bite? Will you see you know a ha ha spot here and there? Yeah, you will because that's it's all about going to certain parts of your audience. But also, I try to also get rid of some of that stigma and do some other stuff, and uh, and then kind of shed shed that character. Um, as much as I can at times. Do you do you feel like you have uh, do you feel like you have more opportunity now in the new landscape to really explore and become what you always dreamed you would be in the pro wrestling business? Uh, I, you know, here's the crazy thing. All I wanted was that shot to show I could wrestle. Um, in in ten years of being with WWE, all I wanted was that shot. And with Torito, I did. I got that shot, and I again, I we knocked it out of the park. And I'll never, I will never, ever do anything as good as that match, um, ever. I, I I know that for a fact, and I can take that to the grave. I know I could have retired after that one, yeah. um, 
all I wanted was that shot, and I, I got to show it. And now, <clears throat> now it's continuing that as much as I can. And like I said, with this plateau, I'm, I'm feeling this plateau. So it's almost gonna be another resurgence. I got a, whew, me. I got a few things on the horizon <clears throat> in less than less than 48 hours. I have a, uh, a tag team ladder match for my own company in my hometown. Um, so I'm doing that. Then the next night I'm at House of Hardcore and it's just doing whatever I can to, uh, to, to keep this resurrection going. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy that I, I, I've been going for three years and I've done some crazy things, but it's still every week I look forward to, okay, what's going to be this week? Yeah, and you know you are you're doing so much. I just saw you here in Chicago at the MLW show. You were in Joey Ryan's uh, final wrestling match here for a while. Joey's got uh, injured. MLW. I was so bummed out, man. That was a match I was looking forward to for so long, and I was so bummed out when I saw him in the hotel and I saw that he was hurt. I was all the wind, and I, I felt so bad for him. But I was the selfish part of me was also like. Man, this sucks. Yeah. You were really enjoying playing Joey Ryan and, and doing his mannerisms. Yeah. That much I noticed. Um, <laughs> now, I had to. Yeah, well, with, with that, just real quickly, you don't need to go too long, but how, how hard was it to put together that bout knowing that Joey was injured? Was there any hesitance to even have him, like, do anything? I feel like that's kind of scary. I, th- I Personally, I told him not to wrestle. Smart. But Joey's Joey. Joey is legitimately. Uh, all he wants to do is is please the fans and and put on a show and put on a good show. And he he was worried about about it. And I said, don't wrestle, don't wrestle, please don't wrestle. I said, I really think you shouldn't. And he goes, I have to. And he felt so bad. And it was bugging him legitimately from when I saw him at the hotel till we went out to the crowd till we went out for the match. It was he was it was just killing him, just going back and forth about. It. So it's, but it was it was it was fun, and I can't wait. Hopefully we, whew, excuse me. Hopefully we get that opportunity again, man. I really hope we get that opportunity. Um, I'm not nearly as good looking as Candice, but uh, hopefully we can hopefully we can do another another tag team. Is your tag name Lil Dicks? I thought that's what you guys were gonna be called. Is that it or no? Size, size, size matters. Size matters. All right, little dicks is good too, size though. Matters. Right? I don't know. Just, just spitballing here. Um, but you, <laughs> M- MLW House of Hardcore, you've got your own promotion. The landscape in 2019 seems wide open. Is there a certain promotion or entity you see yourself attaching yourself to, or wanting to be attached to next year? I don't know. I want to do Japan, man. Um, I've never been to japan um and it's the one thing that one thing that i can't i I, man i can't stop until i do it once uh ddt would be a perfect home for me um that's legitimately my dream for 2019 is to to go to japan for ddt or it's just i i need to uh it's like that that thorn in my side that I can't I can't get rid of I can't and I'm gonna hold I'm gonna have that chip in my shoulder about it 
until it happens. And uh, so, yeah, that's dream for 2019 is I, I, I make it to Japan, hopefully. For, and, and hopefully it happens. Uh, I hope so, too. Um, yeah, well, that'd be great. The, the, this, uh, this year's going to be crazy. It's going to be... It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be another crazy year. I have a feeling already, and I, I'm looking forward to it. 2018 was fun. 2017. Every year, I've had so much fun doing different things, and at, at, you know, at, at times, different aspects of the business. You know, I've encapsulated each year, so it's uh, 2019 is gonna be a good year. All right, I, I just put out a, I put out, a, I put out a T-shirt at Pro Wrestling Tees. I just said famous wrestling midget, and I was laughing at that because I just, and I don't know why it made me, I, I was saying it at MLW at the merch table, and I just, I think I, I think it made me laugh so much because it's just three things that I'm kind of known as, but I want to escape so much that why not make a t-shirt out of it, and if, if you're going to be known as that anyways. Famous See, you're going to get somebody in trouble. That Some guy's going to buy that shirt. Me. I'm going to wear it around my girlfriend. She's going to get upset because I live in Chicago where you can get in trouble. There we go. You know, for saying things like midget. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got two quick WWE questions, and then uh, we'll wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, uh, You. Why didn't you go back to Saudi Arabia? Did you get the call or no? I did not get the call. No call. Are you glad you didn't get I the call this time? I, oh. No, I would have been there in a heartbeat. So you, what was your take on the the backlash uh, after the Khashoggi murder oh, and all that? I uh, I am whatever whatever people want to do, their call. All right. Um, and we've talked about the WWE TLC ma- or W the WLC match. Got end of the day, brain fart. Yep. WLC. Uh, Drew McIntyre was in your corner for that bout. He's now like being groomed as a centerpiece for the entire promotion. Are you surprised to see him there? Not surprised one bit. He, Drew is uh, is a is a hell of a talent, um, and he's a hell of a hell of a guy too. He truly is. Um, he's he has grown so much as a performer. Um, I, I I I'm not yeah I'm not surprised whatsoever. What do you think? I, I'm. I was gonna say, what do you think the there, difference is now between then? Like, what has he I, learned? Maturity. It's all maturity, man. He 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 admits it. He admits. I mean, I just watched their table for three, and he admits it there. That none of them were ready. None of them were ready. Look at Jinder. Jinder wasn't ready, but he had a world title run. He did. Um, and it's it's. I just think that we were we were all young, man. We were all young and just living life. And it took losing that to, uh, you know, sometimes it takes losing that to to make it, you make you realize what you had. And I, my son helped me with that. My son definitely matured me, and you know, pretty immediately because I had to mature when I had him when he when he came into my life. So, uh, but now I'm outside of WWE. And it's uh, I'm doing all I can to to really still try to make an impact as much as I can on this business in uh, whatever capacity I have. 
So will we see a 3MB reunion in the future with a more mature 3MB? <laughs> the reunion tour. They, we, we joked about that, actually. Like on the, uh, We did a, like a watch-along kind of thing. It was... Uh, it would it would be a funny it would be a funny reunion tour. Um I I don't know, man. I, I had so much fun with them and I I I owe them quite a bit. You know, for, for being for being a part of it as well with me and getting me through. So it's I would love it. I would love it, but those three are all doing their own thing and I'm happy for each one of them. Uh, Dylan, I want to thank you so much for the time. Uh, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here in particular before we wrap it up? Yeah, man. Um, my company, my promotion, ACW Wisconsin. It's at ACW Wisconsin um, or ACWWisconsin.com. Like myself, 2019 for ACW is going to be absolutely unreal. So follow us, check us out, and uh, yeah. Michael Wiseman here. At WrestleCade with the champ. Oh, is that too loud? Oh, man, I figured you'd be used to it. You have this nice, boisterous voice yourself. Dude, thank you. You're a very smooth talker. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah I like to think so. Kind of like, I figured like you would be a jazz musician or a singer in another life. Right, if I had any talent, that is what I would be doing right now. You're also a smooth dresser. I was just looking back saying you are like the best dressed person, let alone wrestler here. Well, look, when you're the world's champion and you carry the lineage of the belt that Harley Race, Jack Briscoe, Terry Funk, Dory Funk Jr., Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, you must honor them by dressing the part and looking the part. It begins with you. I love how old school your mentality is about this. You are, Nick Aldis, in your second reign as the NWA world champion. What does it feel like to represent not only this historic company, but so many promotions right now want to put you at the top of their card? Well, that's, and, and that's the way it should be, in my opinion. And, and look, that was really just our philosophy from day one. We said, I've always believed, regardless of what happens with styles and sensibilities and, you know, evolving and all this sort of thing, ultimately, wrestling fans, I believe, come to pro wrestling because they want an experience they want a story told and they want to see somebody who presents something more than than an average guy and i'm not suggesting that like i'm bigger than an average guy or better than an average person but what i'm saying is that if you pay your money like i want you to walk away from that going you know i paid to see a professional you know what i mean and, and that's always the way i believe and i believe that when they they see it in your eyes and they see it in the way you present yourself half the battle is won you know and after that we proved that with cody and i i mean like to have 11,000 people standing before we even touched. That was based on two guys who believed in their heart and present in the way they carry themselves, that they believe that they're the main event. They proved it, you know, and, and, and that's, that's it. That's the hardest skill to learn than wrestling moves and high spots and everything else. Well, you're, you're involved in the business right now. You, you mentioned All In at one of the peaks of the indie. This indie boom we're going through right now is incredible. You mentioned All In and how fantastic that show was. That audience was hot all night. And the business has changed since the time you came into TNA almost a decade ago yeah. to where it is now. Where do you think the business is going? I think we, we, we've, we've done what I call the prize fight approach to pro wrestling, where Yes, I am, I am obviously loyal to the NWA, but we're willing to work with anyone. We say One of our things we said, we're open for business in that I believe that fans today will no longer tolerate the, the explanation of, oh, well, he's under contract there. If they want to see this guy wrestle this guy, there's no, we've set a precedent now, it can happen. There's no, 
oh well you know he's under contract there like well Cody was under contract at Ring of Honor so what we did with, as businessmen Billy, Dave Joe Coff Greg Yolant, they sat. They, we sat down Cody and I we sat down just like Mayweather and McGregor would or whoever and we said okay what do you want what do we want we play around with it mold it and shape it until eventually we get to that and then and the, and the result was something where everybody went wow you know and and I think that's where the business is going. I think you're going, all, all these things that, I mean, th if I'd have said to you two years ago, hey, by next September, yeah, Cody and I will main event, uh, a, 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 for all intents and purposes, an independent show at a sold-out arena for the NWA World so you would have been like, what's this guy smoking, you know? But I, I think it, 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 it doesn't stop there. I mean, I will defend... We can make championship matches with anybody, anywhere. I mean, anywhere. Like, I, I put it out there on Busted Open, and I said, hey, look, you know, Hunter has a, a replica of the 10 pounds of gold on his wall, supposedly. If he wants a shot at the real one, all he has to do is pick up the phone. I'm not a hard guy to find. And that's just one option. There's no reason why it can't happen. They're the ones who... who, who the only reason it's not happening right now is because he's not taking us up on it. But if he did, we would be there. You're, 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 you're saying basically we're going to go back to the indie days of the, the indie scene kind of, no, I mean, no, the, no, the, the territory days to yes. a certain extent. It's a, this is professional wrestling. Like, just because I'm under contract to a certain promotion to, to, to work for them mostly, it doesn't mean that we can't work something out where, well, if, if, we, if we do this and we split this and we work this out and blah, 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 like the, the New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm, I'm wrestling the Lucha Underground champion tonight. He's challenging for this championship. That's happening tonight. You know, at House of Hardcore in Philadelphia, I'm facing Brian Cage. He's like, he's he's on his way to being sort of the franchise guy for, for Impact. You know, I know a little thing or two about being that person. But I'm the real world champion. And I, and I fully intend to continue to do that. And I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a... A, a, a select group of guys who are not under contract to WWE by design, by choice, who are going to start working things out amongst themselves and presenting pay-per-views and different things where we go. Because the talent in this business, the wrestlers, have been grossly underpaid for a very long time. And now, all of us guys who, you know, the honeymoon period is over as far as like we just do it for the love of it look I love wrestling I love wrestling fans if you've ever paid money to see me I love you but I don't love it enough to put my body through that for a pat on the back and a nice tweet yeah I want to make money but I'm not I don't want to make it from uh, getting a big fat contract I mean that would be nice but we've got to live in the real world but what I will do is I'll say hey if I think that Cody you know Let's, let's say, let's use Cody as an example. If I think Cody Oldest 3 will draw big money, which it would, we'll put that together ourselves. We'll make that money. We'll present that pay-per-view because I deserve it. You know, we deserve to make that cheese. All the people who are involved with it, you know, will we'll make that happen and we'll get the fairer, like NWA 70, the pay structure for that was based on, you know, Cody and I got a nice chunk of change for that. We got what we deserved for that because that show was built around us and that will happen... I will go, hey, you over there in Japan, or you over here in, in the UK, or you over here wherever. I mean, we have had some very interesting conversations like with, about potential title matches and pay-per-view events and special one-off nights that, that, that 
some will happen, some won't, but when they happen, people are going to start going like, wow, the possibilities are endless. So two, two final things here real quick. You mentioned kind of this new independent scene and what you guys are creating with prize fights. Do you think in some ways, in protecting wrestlers, their pay, their bodies, do you think there is some way that a wrestler's union, much like the Screen Actors Guild or things like that, does that enter the equation or the conversation at some point? Well, you mentioned Screen Actors Guild. I mean, let's, 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 let's be honest for a moment. There's, at this point, and I'm not, you know, I've got no dog in the fight. I mean, obviously my wife works there, but... There's no reason why WWE wrestlers shouldn't qualify for SAG right now. I mean, they put a disclaimer up saying they're actors. So they were a scripted television show week after week. Shouldn't they already qualify for SAG? Uh, that's just one thing. So that in alone, I, I wrote a, a column for FSM, gosh, probably nine years ago now, where I made a... I made a, a, a I basically made the argument that British professional wrestlers qualified for equity, which is the, the, the British equivalent of that. Somebody from equity read that, and now wrestlers can get equity. Wrestlers can be part of that union. I don't know how many of them took it up on it, but it's there. It can happen. A wrestler's one, it would take everybody. And the problem with this business is that, you know, there's all... <laughs> a lot of money being thrown around. No, right? it's not so much that. It's just there's always... It's, it's not the money... It's the marks. It's the guys who are on the wrong side of the rail. Nine guys all, all agree, yeah, this is the right thing to do for all of us and for the future of the business. Then one guy goes, well, I just want the booking, so I'll do it. You know, you need everybody to say, yeah. And, and look, it's not, it's not about holding up promotions for money and like raking over the coals. It's about a, a, a unifying force of everyone. It, theoretically, yes. I don't hold out a lot of hope for it to happen. What I what I think there would be a gap for would be like a big for be like a real agency, you know. For it, it, but again, it's a trust situation because then you're, you're you've got to there's got to be one head of that beast, and it's a it's a who difficult. Who do you trust to do that, right? Right. But for me, I feel very very happy and confident. Don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not yet making the money I was making at the at the height of my TNA, for example. But you know. That's the market value there was very different because we had a, a, a big television rights deal and stuff like that. But I'm making good, you know, making a good cheese for what I'm doing. But I'm in control, and I now have the ability to make more if I want to, or if I can, if I can get over and make it happen, I can make more, and that's the difference. And it's like it's not this thing of like, hey, I'm way more over than I was a year ago. Like, I should come on to hire, you know, I should be getting paid more. Well, sorry, you're under contract, so you're getting paid what we tell you. It, now, it, it, that freedom to be able to go, like, get what you deserve is, is, it's very interesting and very freeing. And like I say, I feel like there's a couple dozen guys right now all over the world who, are, who I think are starting to realize, like, and we start sort of negotiating with each other as, as businessmen and going, like, all right, let's, Let's be calculated here and let's make it happen because now we can make your own pay-per-views. You know, with, with, with things like Fight and all these different avenues, suddenly the, the, uh, the infrastructural requirements are, are not as heavy as they used to be. Now it's kind of like with a bit of financing and, and, a, and some balls, some pretty interesting possibilities for some guys to make some serious money. I would love to get into a situation, and look, I, I, I'm not... I'm very. I, I, we've, we've, we, I'm trying to bring in the authenticity era. Sure. You know, where like we, we tell the real stories of what's going on. Like we take what our real situations and we sort of 
and we and we make them pre present them in a dramatic way to make them compelling, you know, content for people to make them interested in a pro wrestling match that they can take seriously and not feel like an idiot for watching. So I've always been, ever since the NWA, this new NWA started, I've been very, very upfront and lay my cards on the table. Like I said, I want to be on that Madison Square Garden show. We just need an opponent. Yeah? Like, I don't think I'll have any problem having anyone step up. But it's not my call, but I'm just saying that's what I want. But what I also want is to get to a point where I want to wrestle like 30 times a year. I just want those 30 matches to all be Big money ones. matches. Yes, yes. And the rest of the time we can... It doesn't mean I, I want to disappear for the rest of the time. I just want to spend the time generating interest in those things because... And, and, and like, what do people say all the time? Less is more. But, what they, but, but people misinterpret that to think it's like some old crusty guy going like, man, guys are doing too many high spots. No, no, no. I, don't, I love all that stuff. I'm just saying, like, I just don't want to keep giving that away for no reason because my body can't take it. Like, There's the, a real sacrifice involved with that. The human body is, our bodies are not evolving fast enough to keep up with the evolving style of pro wrestling. Like, take, you know, the, the, the amount of bumps and everything else. And don't get me wrong, no one's changing that, yeah? Like, people were calling Cody and I, like, Brian Alvarez, I remember he said, like, man, you and Cody was such an old school, and I was like, was it really old school, or was it just, just did a different type of match, you know, and I'm not, I'm not Barry Bryan, I was just saying, like, it was just funny that that's, that's the word, like, even you said, you know, like, old school, like, a th people said, I'm a throwback, and I'm kind of like, I don't know if I am, I just, I, I'm trying to be smart. <laughs> well, fa and fans, I do think, see it that way, because yeah. it's not something that we see very frequently, even the way you approach your title reign, the way you're talking about the business, right. we're so used to the big feds dictating things in a certain way that, to many of us who've been around the business a long time, or yeah. have been fans of it, that's the way we see it as kind of a throwback to the way it used to be done. Right, and, and, and it's really no different to when everyone was doing it this way. Some guy went, hey, I'm going to do a bunch of high spots, and I'm going to do like real exciting stuff, and that was different. All I really did was identify a gap in the market. We, well, I, I, we, we looked at it and went, you know, I can turn on any device any day of the week and see really good matches. I mean, between NXT, Ring of Honor, New Japan, even WWE. I mean, if you look at the... the, the the average length of a match at WWE now compared to what it was. Like, they took a lot of those NXT guys, and suddenly there's not as much differentiation between those two products right. because they started going, man, like, the, the, the quality is amazing. But there's a lot. The volume is, you know, and they have to. They have a requirement. One of the beauties of what we're doing right now is that we don't have a... We have... We, have, we're, we are not beholden to anyone. We don't have any requirement. We don't have to put out five hours of content a week. We don't have to give them a, a, a pay-per-view every month. We don't have to do all that stuff. We just do it when the time is right. And we feel, Like with NWA 70, you know, I thought, you know, some of the production things notwithstanding from the, from the TV level, as a live event, I've had several people today come and go like, man, I drove, I drove all the way from Missouri, I drove from Chicago, I drove from here to, you know, to that show, and they loved it. And we set box office records for that building for wrestling. And think about that. Wrestling in that building, they've had thousands of wrestling shows. And Cody and I, you know, Cody Oldest 2 set box office record for there. Because we did it when it was when the time was right. You know, and, and it's it's like, it's, it's a very liberating, because I'd always in my mind had believed that this could be done this way. Um, and, and thankfully, with Billy's resources and brains and balls and Dave's incredible talent to present a product in the way that we envision that could be done 
we're now looking and going like we got. <laughs> I mean, we're just scratching the surface here. Like we're, we're it's we're almost a year to the day where I won the title from Tim at CZW in front of you know 500 dickheads in New Jersey who were you know saying all kinds of horrible shit to me. And now we're at like we've had our own standalone pay-per-view, which you know, which grossed six figures, headlined all in, you know, which was a, a, a historic event in the history of our business. That, you know, that's, that people will talk about, you know, VSM, and and set up a rivalry that you could argue was probably the the, the rivalry of the year in pro wrestling with a YouTube show. Yeah, you know, for sure. and it, it's it's a very cool space to be in, and it, it, I'm I'm just very grateful, and I'm very uh, I'm just feeling the momentum, you know, and feeling the love from everybody. And it's like, we're, we're just getting started. That's amazing. Final question here. I love the explanation here. I think it's amazing what you've done. You mentioned how many wrestlers you've been able to face since kind of going this route. Um, all the great rivalries, feuds, championship defenses you've had. Who is the one opponent? You mentioned that Madison Square Garden show. <laughs> Who is the one opponent you've not wrestled yet? Any fed, any organization you'd love to wrestle? Well, I... I have. I mean, there's several. I mean, there's many. There's a. There's a lot of guys. Um, for me, at some point, there is. There's no doubt in my mind that at some point, somewhere, somehow, Marty Skrull and I need to need to square off for the NWA World Championship. Like, I mean, we've right now. It's 15 years in the making. Two kids who came from the middle of nowhere in England that people laughed at the idea of us being wrestled or like I think our parents just sort of thought oh well this, they'll grow out this is a phase they'll grow out of it and for him to have done what he's done in such a DIY way for me to have had this sort of everywhere I went I tried to I would always go you've got to take a look at this guy you know he's going to be this and, and now for him to be where he is and be one of the most one of the one of the most successful like monetarily and, and a guy you talk about a guy who can write his own ticket I mean like He's like the rowdy Roddy Piper of the modern era. Like he can, he could go anywhere and, and do anything, and he doesn't need a belt, doesn't need that. But when the time is right to tell that story, for 15 years in the making, and go back with all of our history and to take it all the way through, like our journeys to get to this point now, where we're both reaching our primes, I think is like that's the one I want. But there's many more. I already told you the other that's one. That's right. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You're Thank awesome. You. At this time, I welcome the five-time, five-time, six-time world heavyweight champion, Booker T. Booker, thank you very much for taking the time to talk today. Hey, man. No problem, man. What's going on? Uh, well, uh, I've got you here, obviously. We're going to talk about reality of wrestling here in just a moment, but I want to start off by asking you, how is the mayoral run going? Are you going to be the mayor of Houston still? Man, I've come in, you know, uh, across a couple of bumps, you know, and that's been a story of my life, you know, obstacles, you know, trying to figure a way over them, around them, under them. Sometimes you have to go through, you know, straight through them. Um, this is an obstacle that um, has to do with my past, and, and I'm running out of time more than anything. Uh, uh, this month um, is, is my deadline. And, um, you know, with, with what I got going on with the uh, state of Texas, doesn't look like it's going to allow me to actually run um, this term. But um, we got four more years. Um, ahead of us, and um, that's my ultimate goal in the in the long run. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What did I miss here? So, there, the state of Texas isn't going to let you run for mayor because you've done time. Is that the well, case? Well, I, I've done time. You know what I mean. I got to clear up a couple of issues. My lawyer's been working on it diligently, but um, it's just one of those things to where um, 
you know, um, time, like I say, time is, is, is running out on me. It's expiring on me more than anything. Right. It's, it's literally rapidly expiring. But you're going to live to be like 150. Didn't, isn't your dad like one of the, wasn't your dad like one of the oldest people ever? Oh, well, like, that's why I say, that's why I say, I mean, you know, it's only a four year term, you know what I mean? If I don't, if I don't, um, you know, qualify, um, this year, um, I'm sure, um, you know, my time is going to come. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, I, you know, I'm just interested in it. There's been so many guys that have made that move. I mean, Glenn Jacobs now is in politics. Uh, did you learn anything? Yeah, he's, a good, he's a good friend. Did, did you a good learn- friend of mine, actually. Uh, yeah, I learned a whole lot from him. You know what I mean? Glenn has always been a level-headed guy. And, you know, uh, more importantly, he's a, a people person. People just like being around him. You know, um, I spent so much time with him, you know, just sitting in the locker room and talking about, you know, stuff that had nothing to do with wrestling. Uh, and incredible. As well as he just opened a wrestling school um, as well. So, and, um, and I was a you know, huge part in, you know, trying to help him out and get – just started on the right foot with that as well. Yeah, I mean, do you? I mean, like, politics has gotten very stigmatized. You know, uh, Kane, Glenn, now uh, Knox County uh, Mayor. You know, his appearance at Saudi at, at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia caused like a whole other conversation to break out because he's like an American politician. Does that does that make you want to make the run for mayor less, or does it not affect you in any way? Yeah, you know, I look at things in, in so many different ways, you know, and, you know, people have criticized me, you know, for, you know, saying certain things, you know, um, you know, but that's just the way people are, you know, I mean, it's what the crown jewel thing, you know, you know, wrestling and politics is just something that, you know, those two just never cross paths, you know, we, you know, have always been performers and we've always performed all over the world and our fans have always been all over the world, you know, so to actually mix politics with, the, you know, with wrestling, you know, that, that's kind of like, um, you know, it's almost like, you know, come on, man, you know, let's not, let's not do that. Um, but, you know, um, people are going to judge. People are going to say, you know, whatever they will. But um, I think he made the right choice. I really I really do. Um, before we get to, to reality wrestling, while we're talking Crown Jewel, uh, you, Coach, and Otunga were the kickoff panel for Crown Jewel. I just wanted to say yeah. I really, I really like you three together. Uh, the the way you guys talk about the business is just great. I think it, especially with coach with that sports center background. Um, I also think it was maybe the first all African American panel for like anything in <laughs> WWE. Uh, just talk, tell me a little well, bit about I, that. I, I don't, I, I didn't look at it like that because you know I don't look at coaches being black. <laughs> Coach is one of those guys, you know, you don't look at him, you know, as a black guy or white guy. He's just, he's just, he's just coach. You know what I mean? Um, you know, myself, you know, I mean, people can say what they want, you know, but I've never, you know, played the, um, you know, the race card, you know, in the business or anything like that. I've always wanted my fans to love me for coming out and performing. You know what I mean? When they hear Booker T's music, you know, they, they, you know, tilt a certain way, no matter what color they are. You right. know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, with David, you know, I mean, I, I never, I never really thought about it. I never looked at it that way. Actually. I really, I really did, you know, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure people are going to look at it that way, you know, and, and take things away from it, you know, um, what they will. But, but I think we had, we had a great time, you know, we had great chemistry and, and more importantly, you know, um, it wasn't about us, you know, it was about, you know, about the guys. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I just thought it was a great panel. You know, those things can be kind of hit or miss sometimes. But you three, your chemistry was was great. And uh, I guess the only reason it stood out to me was again, like Crown Jewel had these stigmas, obviously. Uh, and then I was like, wow, this is kind of a progressive thing that's happening right before this show starts. Um, and also, Renee got to do commentary on the show. She was sitting ringside. 
uh, which was which is a big deal. She took Coach's spot. Do you, how do you think Renee's doing on commentary? Is she better than Coach? I wish. I wouldn't say she took Coach's spot, you okay. know, and Coach didn't take my spot. Okay. You know, it, it, it's not, it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, it was an opportunity, you know, first and foremost for Renee, um, who has done a great job. You know, as Renee has put in a lot of time. You know, people don't, don't think about that, first and foremost. They just think about, well, it's another woman, you know, getting a, a shot at the commentary table. But Renee has put in countless hours, time in, time out, day in and day out, um, studying for that position, you know, and for her to actually get that position is awesome, you know, and um, I think, you know, a lot of times the internet and social media, they take it, even right now, you know, with Renee, they want to dog on her and say stuff about her, and I'm like, I mean, if you only knew what that job entailed and how hard it really is, you know what I mean, it's props to her, it's kudos for her, you know what I mean, and as far as she could take it, you know what I mean? I hope she could, you know, run with it, you know, as long as Michael Cole has run with it, you know, with this, what, 100 years? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's awesome for her to actually, you know, um, finally get that that um, recognition, you know, that she well deserves. Yeah, and how much harder do you think it makes it for her to have her husband, Dean Ambrose, is a character right now? I mean, she's having to do commentary about her psycho husband right now. It seems a little, uh, Corey Graves can't bring it up enough. I mean, well, she do a really good job laying out. <laughs> That's something I didn't do enough of. <laughs> you know, uh, she lays out what she's supposed to. You know what I mean? She doesn't try to make herself, you know, um, you know, so visible. You know, where people go, ah, you know, you know, Renee this, Renee that. She does exactly, you know, what she de- needs to do. And you know what I mean? She's really, really good at her job. And um, you know, and even you know, having her husband on the roster, you know, she's she's being able to manage it. Uh, I'll flip up. We'll, we'll come back to WWE here in just a couple minutes. We've got you here now. You obviously run the reality of wrestling school down in Houston, Texas. You guys have a upcoming, uh, web pay-per-view on fight Christmas chaos. You've been called out by Rex Andrews. I've had the chance to talk to Rex in the past. First of all, are you going to accept the challenge? You're going to take on Rex Andrews at Christmas chaos. Yeah, people need to understand, you know, I mean, uh, Rex Andrews is like my son. You know, you, your son sometimes, you know, he doesn't want to clean his room up, you know what I mean? He wants to drive the car, you tell him no. You know, he gets a little hot about it, you know, and, and Rex is going through something right now, you know, um, you know, a lot of personal issues, you know, so I'm not going to rush into wanting to go out and beat up on one of my kids, okay? Um, Christmas chaos, <clears throat> I will be there to answer Rex Andrews, and, you know, talk to him, you know, try to see exactly, you know, what, what what's going on in his head. But uh, I don't want to just, you know, just rush to, you know, and say, man, I'm going to put my boots on, get back out here and, and get this kid a whooping. You know, nah, it, ain't, it ain't about that, man. I got so many young kids, you know, that I, I tell them all, you know, I say when you're 99%, you keep your mouth shut. You know, when you're 100%, you know, you speak up on something, you know. And I've had many of them speak up, you know, when they feel like they're 100%. Maybe Rick Andrews feel like, you know, he's, he's at 100%, you know what I mean, and he think you know, he can go out there and, teach the teachers a little bit of something, you know, but, you know, for me, I'm, I'm not going to rush into anything or anything like that. You know, my, you know, I will answer, you know, Rex Andrews, uh, you know, sometime here in, in the real near future. Now, Rex is a very talented guy. You've got a couple really talented guys uh, in reality of wrestling is, have you sent signals to performance center or has there been people coming down to ROW Checking out Rex, is there anybody else on the roster right now that maybe is getting looks by others outside of ROW? Yeah, heck yeah, man. Um, you know, a couple of my guys are getting trials next month. 
and um, and I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked about it. I don't want to say their names or anything. I don't want to jinx them or anything like ah, that. But that's I know what the, I wanted. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you what, I'm gonna go, go ahead and say their name. Gino um, is gonna be getting a tryout uh, next month, okay. and uh, Van Van Harrison uh, he's gonna be getting a tryout. He's gonna be getting like that um, next month as well. And uh, I think uh, both of those guys, you know, they've, they've been with me um, for quite some time. They they you know Gino's been with me for. You know, since he was, you know, 16 years old, you know, and he's, you know, 22 going on 23 years old. And, you know, Van, he's been with me now going, you know, maybe two years, you know, but, you know, he's six foot six and he's, you know, 260 pounds, you know, so I'm sure he's not going to be sticking around too long. I got this one little girl, her name is A.K.A. Angela. You know, she's still a little kid, you know what I mean? Still in school and she's my, my champion, my diamond champion, and she is awesome. She's going to be, you know, the next, you know, major, major big star you know, in, in, in the future, you know, so I tell you, um, I got a lot of them, man, that's, um, you know, on the rise, I'm just looking for them to, you know, be ready, you know, um, when that opportunity comes. Yeah, and one, uh, you know, you talk about Rex being like a son, uh, there is, from what I'm told, somebody that's going to be coming to ROW that is the son of somebody very famous, Ray Mysterio's son, Dominic, uh, it, it, it sounds like Ray's going to be sending him to work with you, have you started working with Dominic yet or not? I had to start um, uh, working with them um, just yet. Um, I've I, I just been talking to Ray. Ray said there's his next stop, you know, reality of wrestling, you know, to um, start start working TV. Um, start. He's, he's been out there, you know, he's he's learned, you know, just about every form, you know, that he needs to learn, you know, and now to actually, you know, give him a little bit of a TV run, you know, um, let him work with some of my guys because I really, you know, even though some of the guys, you know, some, that he's worked with around the country, I've really been good guys. I mean, no doubt they have been awesome guys, you know, but I, I honestly truly think, you know, um, reality wrestling have some of the best young talent, unseen talent out there for someone like Dominic to actually get in there and mix it up with like a Rex Andrews. I tell you, he will learn so much from a Rex Andrews. I tell you from a conditioning perspective, it doesn't get any better than Gino. I mean, Gino can make any veteran in the business right now today throw up if they ran through a training session with them. So I tell you, it's going to be awesome to get him down and actually going to be awesome to, you know, work with, you know, um, you know, the, the son of a guy who I respect so much, you know, a guy who I always, you know, said was my favorite wrestler, Ray Mysterio. Yeah. How, what kind of a wrestler do you think we can expect from, from Dominic? Uh, do you think he'll be under a, uh, a hood? I've heard kind of conflicting reports about that. You know, um, I can't say, man, you know, um, you know, next generation wrestlers is, you know, um, what it's really all about, you know what I mean? For him to work under it, you know, would definitely be, you know, tradition. You know what I mean? Ray Ray and, you know, Dominic come from, you know, two, two totally different eras, you know, just like the, you know, the, you know, the Wild Samoans and the Usos. You know what I mean? When the Usos first got into WWE, you know, when they first left my school, you know, I say, guys, you know, I know everything, you know, you guys have been taught, you know, you know, you guys are taking it all in. I say, but for me, I need you guys to just wear a pair of boots. You know what I mean? You know, let's break the tradition. You know, and those guys went out there, you know, and, and they, you know, you look at them now, they're the new age Samoans. They're not the guys, you know, that their dads were and their uncles were, you know what I mean? So I think it's good for those guys to be different and for Dominic to, um, you know, you know, carve his own path. You know, it's definitely going to be very important. Yeah, I, I'm big Usos fan. Those guys are the best tag team in WWE right now, in my opinion. Oh, but they're cool, man. They're cool. You know what I mean? You know, they're not the average, you know, Samoans that you've seen for the, you know, in in the past for so many years. You know, so I tell you, um, you know, they've definitely found, you know, their niche, and um, I think Dominic's going to do the same thing. It's been great 
watching this generation kind of free themselves of some of the stereotypes from before, like you say, these are not the Samoans. The women, night and day, from even a decade ago, right? Whole different coat of paint right yeah. now. Uh, well, I mean, the women, the women are definitely, you know, carving their niche. You know what I mean? And you know, we had Ric Flair, you know, to, you know, you know, blaze the path. And I think, you know, the women have Charlotte Flair now to actually be that ambassador. I mean, they're going to be talking about her, you know, twenty and thirty years from now, like she is Ric Flair. People are going to be going, man, but you need to look at her dad. You know, what I mean? it's going to be like that. So I tell you, um, they are definitely doing an awesome job. Yeah, you know, and uh, I have to bring up what we talk about. Uh, I guess like stereotypes breaking away you re-embraced an old character this past year on wwe tv and it was one of my favorite segments of the year it was when you came back as king booker to induct the new day into the five timers club that was a great segment um whose idea was that did you go to the new day or did the new day say we want to do we want king booker now, I think they uh, requested it, you know, and the company put it together, you know, and it, it was become the five time, you know, I think it was a meeting going on. They said, who, who better than Chris or something like this than, you know, the five time champ, Booker T, you know, so it was, it was, it was pretty awesome, you know, it was, it was an awesome night, you know, um, coming back and being a part of those guys, man, who, who have literally, you know, you know, made their own breaks, you know, I mean, you got to yeah. give the New Day a whole lot of credit for, you know, taking that character and, and, and embracing it and running with it and, and, and turning it into, you know, what they wanted it to be, you know. And then for me to actually be out there with them, you know, it, it, was, it was awesome, you know. I give those guys all the credit, though, man. Um, it, it was really all about the new day. And for me, um, I was just playing a role, man. I always say, man, just to stay relevant within the storm and, you know, the young guys out there doing their thing, for me, it, it's cool. You know what I mean? I'm still having fun. You know what I mean? But to let those guys, you know, to fly their wings and, you know, you know, live it up and do their thing, man, you know, more power to them, man, you know. And, and trust me, uh it's hard out there, you know, doing what they do. So I wouldn't want to be them anyway, but I do love them actually, you know, making it to that next level. Man, I popped so hard when you came out as King Booker. I was just, that was so great. I love that character. Um, <laughs> do you do you think it's time that the New Day does something different? I kind of got some heelish vibes off them last night on SmackDown. Do you think that they should stay together, or would you like to see something different? You know what, man? You know, right now, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. You know what I mean? This, this thing has done, um, you know, great things for for all those guys. You know, Xavier, you know, um, you know, you know, Kofi, you know, was kind of like stuck in a rut there. You know, it was just, you know, Kofi still being Kofi. Kofi having to go out there and, you know, being the ultimate wrestler. Kofi having to go out there and run, 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 run. You know what I mean? And, you know, be that ultimate baby face, you know, Biggie, you know, trying to, you know, find leverage, you know, and but together it seemed like these guys of jail, you know, um, you know, quite well together. So for me, you know, I say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, if we could run with it, you know, another six months to a year, let's run with it for another six months to a year because, you know, after that, you know, we may may have to make the heel turn and then what do we go after that? You know, so I think longevity more than just, you know, um, you know, what can we get out of this today? I say, what can we get out of this tomorrow? Man, good advice. Uh, all right, Booker, I'm going to wrap it for today. I would love to have you back. You're one of my favorite people to talk to in wrestling. Uh, other than when, what day is Christmas Chaos on Fight? Do you want to do the hard plug here? Um, it's going to be on the, it's going to be on the 29th, um, um, December 29th, actually, a couple of days after Christmas. Um, and then we got some big things going on in January to um, make it his um, debut at um, – 
on the 29th, um, Jacob Fatu, you know, um, the legendary fan. We were just talking about the Uso. Jacob Fatu is going to be the next, you know, Uso um, to make it to the um, big time of professional wrestling as well. So I'm um, looking forward to that. So check us out on Fight TV streaming every Sunday. Um, check your local listings. Thank you to everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Conan, Jack Swagger, Swoggle, Nick Aldis, Booker T., everybody michael weissman it's been a great show here this week we're gonna be back next week next thursday with a brand new winkley like i said jesse collings will be back here for the audio edition of the views from the turnbuckle check out his editorial this friday over on the site uh, about baron corbin uh we've got a lot more interviews coming out from michael weissman's time at wrestlecade i don't want to i'm just gonna say there's a lot more coming i'm not gonna even give you any names just get ready get excited Uh, That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.